this week's episode of the Back to Back Films podcast. This week we're covering Hell's Angels and Dunkirk, starting our war series that will be kind of like a sporadic, ongoing, do-it-when-we-want series, because um, there's like a whole bunch of films to talk about, and they're all really different, and their productions are usually insane. Like, even Dunkirk was still, like, was super crazy, um, but we'll get into that. Uh, so, as always, we recommend that you watch these two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode because of spoilers. Uh, I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jacob. Yeah, so Jacob had some troubles last episode because he was so used to hearing your voice right before. <laughs> it, it was really hard. It was really hard. I'm glad you're back. That's all. That's all I have to say. Like it's, uh, you know, it was weird co- coming after Pete. <laughs> well, I, I'm looking forward weird. to hearing that episode. Um, I'm still about halfway through the Reefer Madness episode of re-listening to that. So. Yeah, you got to yeah. watch those shorts though too. Like, oh, it's, okay, it's sweet. Definitely watch those, it, especially uh, Zygo, Zygo. For sure, I think that was the that was our favorite of the two. Oh, of sweet, all, both of our so favorites. Gonna, yeah, I'll check those out. Maybe I'll watch those tonight. Dude, cool. Zygo had the craziest monster I've seen in a long time. Like, oh, sweet. It, it was seriously like amazing. You got to watch oh, Zygo. That like, you just you have to watch that, that one. Like the other ones, like are good, what's, but what's the Zygo, one with yeah. uh, Sigourney Weaver? Raka. Raka. Is that one okay? It's it's good, but it's like it's different. And she plays yeah. like she plays like the main character, but it's a small part. If oh, that makes okay. sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a it's not character driven plot. So it's 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 like uh, watching like a montage of plot elements that aren't like then this, then this, then this, because it's not guided by a character at all. So it, it's like it's, a narrator uh, just telling you like they came and you know they started doing this yeah, to our, okay. our species and they enslaved oh, cool. us and like that's different. It's like it's like the Wikipedia article like plot yeah. summary. Wow, yeah, you know yeah. I mean, it's like a Wikipedia plot summary in a movie, um, which is kind of neat yeah, and experimental. But I think that that was kind of its its downside because it it kind of felt like it was trying to do a few things. Um, with it and you know it I, it just it would have been better i think if there was more character cuz you could tell that it was there they just chose not uh, to focus yeah. on yeah. it and it you know they could have and it could have been i i would have like enjoyed that it one more. felt like yeah. the the most like quote spec movie like the one that they would use to pitch to like oh, a studio okay. you know what i mean like here's the world I and want, here's a couple yeah. characters yeah they were pitching the yeah. world i wonder yeah. why they yeah. had like sigourney weaver in it if it wasn't like a character based like cause she seems such a i'll tell you exactly like why. a character based actress you know what i mean like and, and i wonder yeah. how much she got paid <laughs> i know the exact reason actually is because he neil blomkamp was cited to make or slated to make alien five uh, that's true which she was going to be a part of and when that uh, fell apart, he was like, uh, you know, I got this other project, and she read it, and she was like, dude, put me in that oh, one. Like, you, I just got to be there. So she plays like the – she's kind of like a resistance leader or a military leader almost. Oh, cool. She's kind of – she reminds me of John Connor kind of like – Yeah, it's very yeah, John Connor. Like leading yeah. this resistance against him and whatever, you know, the tough the tough commander woman. It, it's it's a good character. It's just the plot isn't At character all. driven. So like she still is coming up with all of the things that you need to do as an actor, you know. But it's and there's still specific scenes where she gets into the like the nitty gritty and it's very character based scene, you know, where they're they're arguing about they're something. Like, cut its head off. It's just that the 
she doesn't guide the plot. The plot is guided by narration. Like that's yeah. but it's still like like if I were her, I'd still be be down with the role because it you know it's kind of a well yeah if it got role. made into Sweet. a feature a good yeah. role it's if it got role. made into a feature or a TV series definitely I could see her being she could carry that oh, one for she, sure she would totally yeah. Yeah, be totally. in it like every studio would be like because yeah. <laughs> she's like the only person <laughs> you know? who's like uh, who's recognizable yeah in it oh, that's cool yeah and she she'd be perfect yeah, totally for that. you know she'd be great and she is per- I mean you yeah. see the movie. Sweet. I, I, yeah, I'm and then Firebase Firebase is totally up your alley because Firebase is just like a gore fest oh, like literally like <laughs> scenes of degloving right. where they're like peeling back skin and pe- they peel back this guy's face because I like this alien stuff. this alien like whatever being is like they make your like insides like this weird like cockroach skeleton or something so like so when you peel back your skin there's like this really gross hard shell under oh, it so dope. they're like you know discovering all these and it's supposed to be in like Vietnam like alternative history but like oh, yeah. these nasty so scenes dude past. where it's just oh, fucking dude, like just that. straight gore they have they have a lot of cool like um, archival yeah. looking footage in it too so they like fuck shit up with after effects with different lenses so like there's some like black and white stuff that looks like it's like over yeah, yeah. under cranked you know it's just kind of really neat how they put all the, oh, the archival looking and stuff the river together. god is really like a really good. gross looking like like when he puts his armor on it's like this like weird fleshy muscly armor that that folds over him oh, cool. it's just weird dude it's weird but zygote's monster it's weird excuse me zygote's monster it's beats all of that. Like, <laughs> it's weird, it's, dude. Yeah, it's seriously. It's like it's it's a CG monster, but it like has to be. But it's honestly, it's like if Guillermo del Toro's monsters. It was like a Guillermo del Toro on crack. Oh, it's no literally way. just made what? of human arms and human's feet. Like that's it, and then like eyes, but like yeah, its whole body is it's just like made out of human arms. Uh, Whoa! So like yeah, the first time you see it, like it like reaches out to like open this door, and it reaches its arm out, which is like essentially like twenty human arms Whoa. reaching out. It's weird, yeah. dude. It's no, so it's, cool looking. It's sweet, dude. And that one has and it's, it's has Dakota Fanning too. Plot. Yeah, yeah, Dakota character Fanning's driven, it, and it's really Oops. yeah, like it. It feels it's the only one that really feels like a like a short yeah. I mean the other ones feel like a short for sure oh, you know dope. like Firebase kind of feels that way but this one feels like it's really specific it's buttoned up it's it's it is a short story the other ones just kind of feel like they are part of this larger yeah. picture like an ongoing series but this one like it feels closed off even if I mean they could continue if they wanted to but it really like you feel good at the end like it feels like oh, it uh, ends. This you know one, what I yeah. mean Gosh, that's even though, yeah, you feel good, but then you also realize, wow, she's kind of like just trapped now, and is probably just gonna die alone. And, Whoa, and no, it's all right. <laughs> no, it's all right. Yeah, I, I, I right. spoil everything story, for myself. But I, like, <laughs> it's, dude, it's honestly like it's it's all yeah. Tone, even if I told you the like end in, of that one, like zygote, it's all it's, it's the process of watching everything is yeah. way more interesting anyway. Because yeah. like seriously, like most of the time when I watch movies, I'm never like in the story you know what yeah. I mean like where I'm like oh my god that shot is epic oh my god what did he do there oh that was so cool <laughs> this one you're gonna be like dude yeah. rewind and let this me look is, at this yeah. monster again cause it's fucking awesome yeah you like it seriously like you just want oh uh, dude I'm gonna have to watch this tonight like that's that's why it's, yeah. it's good is totally. cause sweet yeah. uh, and it says something that it's like it's completely CGI monster but it's like the most compelling out of all of them you know like badass speaking of archival yeah. This is kind of cool. I, while I was gone in Oregon with my grandparents and stuff, um, I have been bothering my grandpa 
for years because they have this eight millimeter projector and oh. an eight millimeter film camera and all like all oh. this film that you know he had shot of my mom and my uncle and my aunt like growing up and you know he, he was in the navy and so my grandma and stuff had, like had filmed him coming off the <laughs> ship and all this stuff right all this cool stuff oh that's so, awesome he knew that he still had this stuff and that it was like in storage and like he just wants to get rid of all this stuff so uh, and my grandma's like really sentimental and was like hopefully you don't throw it away and stuff like that and I was like oh please don't like I want that like yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, anything yeah. film stuff like I'll take it Like, and he's also given me his uh, VHS camcorder and all these tapes because I just love that aesthetic and I'm like grandpa you don't realize like Are you gonna make don't crash throw this too? shit away because <laughs> like <laughs> I, I want to make something like that just do something super grimy you know but like like and just so like i was like don't throw it away just I, i'll take it off your hands i'll pay you for it even you know and which he was like oh my gosh it, no i'll just give it to you you know um and i was like grandpa people like are paying big money for this sort of thing now you know the hipsters you know the film hipsters um so we actually went scrounging around and we found the film projector and then all the film so I can't wait to actually plug in the film projector and start watching all the film. Dude, you got to hit me up for that. Oh, sweet. Cool. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I definitely... That sounds awesome. That Man, it's like, I can't wait. Um, and, you know, there's no... Of course, there's no sound to it because it's just 8mm. But, like, just that sound of the... of the. I quickly put the film projector on before we found the actual film just to see if it worked. And, it, yeah, mm. it works and stuff. He thought it would because um, he had replaced all the bulbs and stuff. Um so like the sound of the that it makes a while at the end of the project oh it's so sexy when it kicks yeah, on it's yeah. Like, yeah and then he has another film projector which he thinks is with the eight millimeter film camera but we can't find that and he's he was so mad at himself he's like i just saw it so he's gonna still look and i'm gonna see him in october when he comes up to visit us so i think he'll hopefully by then he'll find it and bring it up but i'm just that, stoked <laughs> that reminds me i think i ha- that i think awesome. i have an eight millimeter video camera too actually oh dope or whatever like film camera it's i don't know so it, cool. i think it works but i don't have any film for it i got it for my grandpa because my grandpa same thing he had like this whole crazy collection of cameras uh <laughs> well i have two grandpas that do that had that but one actually gave us like the whole collection of it my mom still has it um because she displays them all but it's like eight or nine freaking different photography wow. cameras with just like Sweet. the big like you know circular flash bowl yeah. or whatever on it and like the little uh, the little yeah, flash yeah, cubes yeah, yeah. that you put in dude it's like crazy vin- but i i grabbed the video one because i wanted to try and use it i'm pretty sure it's eight millimeter but it's freaking sick dude, dude. that's it's awesome. awesome looking yeah that's, that's i think sad. it actually cranks yeah that's cool yeah oh, that's so cool because <laughs> yeah. like that's awesome i'd love to shoot like a part of like a film at least on like actual film yeah and it's it's expensive to get it all you know developed but i think it'd be worth it it'd be cool to actually like get your light meter out and like really you know go for it really kind of yeah, yeah really do it yeah sweet. you just be yeah. like uh freaking hell's angels where they have that one special scene where it's in color for yeah. freaking no, almost no reason <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no but funny. my other that actually that reminds me my my uh th- this weekend i went up to bellingham uh to do some wedding prep stuff and uh m- my fiance's dad he was he's getting rid of a bunch of stuff in his storage unit and he had like a 16 millimeter camera and i was like hook it up oh this is kind of sweet it's not it's not a film camera but i was just like 
oh this is cool and he showed it to me and he's like yeah it still works and he has like he gave me a whole like package of film that he had <laughs> nice. so it's like all loaded so man I, i'm just excited to go take it out and just kind of give it a shot because like when i've went gone and done photography like i i've read that that people who use film for it they like you know they you, you really take the time to like compose right. your shot and like really make sure it like looks exactly the way you want because each click is yep. cost you money yep. you know but with digital, it's, like, not like that at all. So it's like, well, I'll click here. There's literally a high, so like, you just hold the button down, and it goes click, 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 click. <laughs> yeah, and just, like, yeah, it just bursts. Uh, but, yeah, here it's, like, you got to, like, you know, click it down, push it to the next bit. And uh, it's a pretty nice camera. He, 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 it's, uh, he always, he's a big backpacker, so he brought it backpacking with him. And um, pretty, it, I, I don't want to, it's not high end, but it's, you know, middle, middle yeah. high end. Um, and he has a nice telephoto and a um, macro lens too. Oh, so, sweet! Yeah, I'm just kind of excited to break it out and get some cool shit. I need it needs I needed new batteries for it. See, my uh, my other grandpa has this kind of the same thing where it's a he does back in the day he did photography and has like I don't know it must be like eighty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of Hasselblad camera gear and he showed me like his 300 Whoa. millimeter telephoto that's like like a 10 pound telephoto dude it's like in this like you know locked case yeah. or whatever and it's like he doesn't use it anymore and i, I keep you know, like he's like kind of the type of guy who's like if you don't show up at his doorstep you're never gonna like get anything done so i've just been like trying to wait for the right day to do that but i'm pretty sure he's like <laughs> would just like give it like, yeah oh and it's like a it's like a medium <laughs> format or like three i can't remember it's like three quarter or medium format um film camera so it's like you know it's got the really big like capture format yeah. or whatever the oh, big sweet. cells and whatnot so Dude, yeah and like, he's got like crazy i mean he spent a lot of money and invested a lot into photography back in the day so it's like you know all the good hasselblad like lenses and stuff yeah so i'm hoping soon dude. i want to i want to shoot on that so dude, bad dude that would, yeah. that would be so <laughs> sweet <laughs> yeah that'd be fun i just love that i just and yeah like what you're saying about you know each shot would cost money so you have to really you know it, it then you it becomes you immediately become more appreciative of the art you know like while you're doing it like you you actually start like you yeah. you have to you have to relish the process like you have to really relish the experience of like okay i'm driving around and i'm trying to look for that shot or whatever you know like i don't know it's just cool yeah like it it, it trains your brain i think it like i think it helps you like see shots helps you see like what would be good like how to how to compose it how to yeah. you know like where to put things in the frame like you know i think it helps like i at Western, like when I go through the fine arts building, like they have, you know, a lot of the photography hanging up and like, like, I don't want to like, maybe, so maybe some Do of it, it. <laughs> maybe some of it's just not my style or whatever, but like, I oh, feel like the school. so much of the photography that I see that uh, it's real, you know, real film and stuff. And then they develop it and blow it up or whatever. It's so bad. Like, it's so bad. It's like, literally they're just shooting the most random things which i understand like there's probably exit launch well, yeah, like, i'm sure there's like exercises Lunchers, where it's like you know tiki tour stock just, footage like, style yeah stuff, you know yeah. but like this stuff it's so Garbage. ridiculously bad like i was like i can take a photo with my camera on my phone 
make it look old and it would be way 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 cooler than what you just did with that like it's a complete waste of paper totally and even the whole like process nice. of development i think nice <laughs> <laughs> you hate you hate the arts. You hate the, the I just arts. I feel like period. there's so many students, at least at Western. I don't know. That sounds terrible, but like I've just seen so much bad photography. <laughs> that's like wasting like good resources. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. The good re- nice. materials that you know taxpayers yeah, yeah. are paying for. You know, I don't know. You, you want to know what you want to know what I hated about Western is that random like two weeks. Uh, where at, at Western we had like a, it was called ATS and they had all sorts of equipment. Some of it was video equipment. Some was like those DSLRs that are like photography and video. Uh, I know what you're going to say. But there would be like two weeks where <laughs> the yep. art students would roll in and take every single DSLR yep. that in existence there. And I, you know, I worked at A2S. I talked to some of those people. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, they're just like, yeah, this is just for a class assignment, I think. Like, one of them asked me, like, how do I use this thing? And it's like, oh, I can't believe they're... Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they're giving these... Yeah, and it was, like, sad. mandated, like... Because of no It idea. was, like, school and, rules yeah, or whatever. Roll it in. Stupid. Yeah, and then all of us filmmakers were all just fucked, you know? And there was one time where we had a, uh, a, um... A, a, a showing for Cave Ike. It was for um, you would I think, and it would they they booked two two weeks for the DSLRs, and it was two weeks until uh, and then at the end of that two weeks was the showing for you. Oh man! So it was like we everyone was like, how do we like how do we make our movie so that you would show was really crappy because you know everyone waits till the last minute and then. Um, <laughs> And then we all use the crappy like video cam, like oh, the Sony God. video Oh, cams. those are terrible, uh, dude. Those are actually that, not that like, bad is, if you knew how to this use is it. All we have, uh, if you know how to use it, but like you can't like go into manual mode, right. and, like you know, set your shutter. Like if you want to do a cool yeah. shutter speed, actually, you, you could do, do like all a, of that. It's just like wasn't as intuitive as the DSLR, where it's like, oh, oh you turn this knob and it does that, and this knob does that. It was like right. you really had to like dig into the settings. But like those cameras, you actually can do a, a manual mode. Oh wow! I, yeah. I, I, I never. Oh yeah, shit. totally. I did not. Know I never that. took the time. Yeah. To... Oh, I didn't. Know that. <laughs> it's just it's intimidating to just pull it up and like you know it's yeah. yeah. Oh man, right? Because it seems so simplified when you look at it. Yeah, it's, but yeah, I guess. It, and the the, the images well, yeah. most likely would have turned out the same, if not better, than most DSLR stuff. Because it's a it's a pure video camera. It was literally built from the ground up to be a video camera. So like. You know, are we talking about the same ones? Those like little, so, those little like hand. Oh, you're talking about things? the Vixia things, not the Vixia, <laughs> but like the little. No, I'm talking about the like the Panasonic the recording cameras that you hold them like this, you know, and you just point and shoot, and it flips the screen out. And you're yeah, just the like, Vixia. That's what that one was. But they also had. The, I'm yeah. talking about the pan, the big Panasonic video cameras. I'm thinking, I'm thinking oh, what Jacob was thinking. No, it's like, they, what, are they, what are those called? Uh, Vixias. They're can, or like Canon Vix or Sony Vixia or whatever. They're they're just like those... Cra- Dude, like, Google like, Vixia. When you go to like... <laughs> V-I-X-I-A. Like, like when, you, when you go to like a soccer game and there's like a soccer mom like filming her uh, We lost thing. him. That's, this is His the internet crapped out it's because like he bucks. searched for it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because like... Oh, he's talking, and we do. Oh, we do not yeah, hear. I don't know. What the hell? 
Dude, I, you're not even coming okay, in. I'm looking okay, at the, here oh, we go. Oh, there he goes. Yeah. No, this is exactly what I know. Exercise. Except. Duh. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the big ones, the big like actual like. Uh, yeah, I never the used Panasonic. Those. I tried a couple of times, and they're intimidating to use if you just don't like know what you're doing. But those are the ones I'm talking about. Those can go full manual. You can oh, do whatever sweet. the hell you want with it. Uh, but yeah. So, so you, that we're right then that that was bullshit that they, <laughs> that that that's what we had to use. Yeah, the Vixia is te- well, Vixia is terrible. Like the Vixia could yes. do okay. so, yes. good stuff. Yeah, like, we did it. Like same, same the thing. 1080 on it. Like you know, it wasn't the worst thing ever. If you had like. It was like it's like a GoPro. You have to have like perfect lighting conditions, like in the sun. Like everything has to be super, yeah. super bright. Um, otherwise, right. GoPros are tricky. It's like whatever. Like, like seriously, like at least yeah. the one that I it's hard used to. to yeah, yeah, yeah. Those like the images that they use to sell GoPros, like those videos, are like you know half the, half the time I wonder if they're even shot on a GoPro. To be honest. <laughs> like, you have to have yeah <laughs> perfect conditions to get good GoPro. Footage. I haven't messed with like any of the new GoPros. Like the the only GoPro that I've ever really used was my brother Chris's like older one, you know, like way before it was, you know, 4K and stuff like that. But some of those look I want to you know, maybe one day I'll I'll pick one up cuz they're getting cheaper and cheaper but and the technology's getting better and better, so I don't know, maybe. But I remember the first time I used a DSLR and that was like, yeah, me I had too. so much fun because I was used to shooting on like the Vixia type stuff, right? It's just mm-hmm. like a camcorder where you have no, yeah, like oh camcorder, yeah, yeah that's like what you it is. you don't have like yeah. any like the only cool thing is you can change like the shutter speed or not even the shutter speed. You could change the frame rate. The frame you could rate. change the so- the aspect ratio size, like ten eighty or seven twenty, and they had these built in right. filters yeah. for it, yeah. which is stupid. Like yeah, not yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. even like not a polarizer filter, but like I could turn it black and white, or I can turn it like yeah. more brown, like yes. stupid right. stuff like that. Right. And like but I, no no depth of field, no no, no like like cha- like like changing your your focus like in the shot. You know what I mean? Like that was. It, you know they had autofocus on there, it, and it was always in like the center. And it made um, it w- the worst. But, yeah. I, so I remember like the yeah. first time, like my brother and I, like we just rented a DSLR Mark II from ATUS, and like we yeah. just kind of went for it. We just kind of started filming stuff, and like that learning experience was one of my kind of the, really just a cool memory of just like messing around and be yeah. like oh my god that looks cinematic you know and then like now if we were to yeah. look like, if we were hey. to look at that stuff now we're like oh my god it's so terrible but but like <laughs> just having yeah. to be able to play with depth of field and stuff at the time was like oh cool that this actually looks like a real you know movie you know um and that was about as good right, at the right. time too it's like those were 24 to 105 l lenses that's like one of the best lenses you can get for its its price on what was essentially like the best DSLR video camera at the time, mm-hmm. you know the five D full yeah. frame, you know like yeah. ten eighty. So two thousand nine, two thousand ten yeah. with the with the yeah. red dot. Yeah, that shit yeah. was good. Well, that kit, yeah, the and it was the kit lens. The kit lens was like amazing. For well, it was. For it's not really a kit lens. I mean. Well, it is it a kit. It is a kit lens in the in like the literal definition that it comes in a kit, but it's not like a kit lens like an EFS like cheap eighteen to fifty five. That twenty four to one hundred five L is like twelve hundred bucks if yeah. you buy it. I, I think it's about thousand now actually. Right, but that's like what they pair. I guess when I say kit lens, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking that's what they paired it. With. Right, right, right. Like, so if you wanted, you could buy either the body of the Canon or you could 
by the body and the lens, and that's right. The lens that like, you get. and it was a really in the literal lens. sense, it was a kit lens. But in the like, yeah, like when you say kit lens, most people think like the cheap, you know, right? Yeah, the cheap ass, yeah. yeah, bullshit that came with it. Yeah. Oh man. Gosh, yeah, yeah. It's almost insulting to call it a kit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like because it was it's so, good. so it's used. It's, it's been around for like 10 years or something, and it's still, they still yeah. produce it. It's still one of the, the most widely used lenses in the world. I, I just, I really remember being impressed, especially with the colors. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh my God, the color yeah. is so much more vibrant and crisp than what I was used to than the camcorder. I mean, just, just, I mean, when you're fucking with glass, it's just so much better. Totally. <laughs> totally. Sounds painful. <laughs> only when it breaks. Damn it. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Gotta stay soft. Oh, Gotta here. stay soft. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, okay. You're welcome. So there was something else I wanted to say, but now I can't even remember. But oh well. Uh, so our main topic this week is war films. And we're kicking it off with Hells Angels and Dunkirk. Uh, Hell's Angels is made in 1930 by Howard Hughes. He was the main producer and eventually the director of the film. The film went went through Howie. three directors before him i think yeah um because he he had this yeah. like overbearing controlling style that basically forced these guys to quit um uh, yes he was very yeah OCD. very much so um which is weird that he actually only managed to direct or have two director credits am i in this book <laughs> I gotta sit up straight, Did, man. Uh, Byron just leave the podcast. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> no, I'm gonna take this. a picture. Of, I got a uh, pose of uh, that Howard Hughes OCD was, joke was uh, not cool. <laughs> I'm off the podcast. I'm gonna take a picture for uh, uh, Facebook or Instagram and be like, you know, podcasting. yo, dude, we do need to pump pump up the Instagram, oh, shit, I didn't do uh, that. social media. We gotta do something dude, because think, because Brian. I've been. I'm just sorry, a little off track here, but I, I've actually Come been looking on. at the stats for like downloads, and we got more when we were saying we when we were posting the episodes on Facebook versus when we weren't. So like just saying this episode's out, like it makes sense. Yeah, if you tell yeah. people it exists, then they'll they'll. And, and I want to start exists. saying like I want us to have like <laughs> instead of just posting the episodes, I want us to start posting like you know. So what we're doing this yeah. week images, or, yeah. you know, images like I, prepare for I, next week I'm you know telling like, you the film bro episode that image will kill and people will want to <laughs> listen to it I'm, I'm just saying if we dress up as film bros people are going to listen to that shit they're going to see the photo they're going to be like that's fucking hilarious and you, we could even say like we're going to pretend to be film bros for a good chunk of this episode like uh, dude people would dude, love I, people I don't would know love about it. the one idea you had though I don't know if I can pull through with that what the film? No, thing? I can do the film, bro. Well, I can try my best with that. Yeah, I don't know how long but I can keep the, that going. The costuming, well, the we costuming just... aspect of it. Okay, I was joking about the romper. Okay, we don't need to. I mean, if rompers. you want to buy me a romper, I just that was then, funny. you know. I don't, dude. Rompers sound expensive because they're like a weird yeah. like thing. Yeah, for the urban, right now. urban like, hipsterism. Not the f- urban hipsters. Yeah. <laughs> We don't need to do rompers, but we can go to Valley Village, get some muscle shirts, get some oh, shades. Y- you know, like wear backwards hats. Like, dude, it would be a whole. Yeah, wear backwards hats already. <laughs> All we uh, we just have to do that for the photo, and then we're anyway. Solid. It's yeah. not even that far off because if we're gonna do the episode, it'll be next episode. So <clears throat> yeah, so it'd have to be soon. So Brian, we'll think about it as we do this episode. Brian, I don't know if I can do it. You could do it. I believe. I'll try you. my best to be in the bro Pretty- mode. It's just. Put your dignity those, those aside. Those people are so... Uh, 
<laughs> oh, well, we could just talk about Nicholas, uh, whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> for the whole thing. We could talk about Drive a little bit. I, I think you could do that without uh, acting. That's true, but I have to do my old bro voice, right? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, if, you know. Okay. I think if I think if we're in costume, I think it'll come easier than we think. You know, remember the Italian thing, Italian, <laughs> you know, put the hand up. Okay, you know? bro, whatever. <laughs> so put your stunner shades on, and you'll be able, you'll stay in character. Trust me. <laughs> oh uh, man, uh, sorry, that was but anyway, my yeah. So I mean, you know, twentieth episode, another kind of special milestone. So yeah, we'll probably most likely do something bro esque because we talk about what film we talk about film bros, so we might as well explain what that is. Yeah, I think we uh, got to do it. We're, we're doing it. As we're far as I it. know, it's in my script and it's planned, so um, we'll get there. Yeah. But anyway, so we're we're gonna watch Reefer Madness, the musical, and uh, <laughs> I'm picking the films. <laughs> You're banned from picking films. That's not what we're doing. I I understand that now. I get it. <laughs> Don't worry. I picked Boondock Saints for that bro one. So that's, you know that's actually. I think that with Fight Club. That, is that's a really good pairing. pairing. It's actually film bro, really yeah. Good for fun, bro. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's actually like a really good yeah. pairing. <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay, so back to Hell's Angels here. Um, just real quick, it stars Ben Lyon, James Hall, and Gene Harlow. Uh, the second film is Dunkirk, which was written and directed by Chris Nolan. Uh, it was shot by Hoyt Van Hoytema. If that's how you actually pronounce it, I don't know, but... Hoyt Van Hoytema. Uh, it was shot in IMAX, and it was Nolan's most extensive use of that technology to date. Something like 70 to 75% of the film was shot in IMAX. Um, yeah. It was edited by Nolan's go-to person, Lee Smith, who actually edited the, edited the film as it was being shot unsupervised by Nolan, uh, which is, you know... That's for big directors, that's pretty uncommon. Yeah. Usually you got the guy standing over your shoulder Especially being... Nolan, because yeah. he seems such a... A modern day a tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's an auteur. He's an auteur, bro. Except except when it came to the editing. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's we I, I don't know. I feel like people freak out about oh the director's not there in the edit, but like I don't like I don't think the director should be there for like the first week. Cause like most or you know, for a while, because most of the time it's like them just figuring out where the footage is marking shit prepping stuff for the director well that's like um, assistant editors I, doing I that stuff yeah that's a really good I one. am 100% of the opinion that the, uh, I mean that like the director should not be involved in the edit until after the first draft is done 100% right because they need they need something to work with you know and they also sure the assistant editor goes through and like marks shit but like the editor needs to know where all that stuff is like they need to be able to work with uh, their assistant editors and shit to like make it happen. And it'd be weird if the director shut. Like the director would do nothing on the well, first I, day I, of editing. I'm not even you know thinking I mean? in that terms like that. I'm thinking like the director, you know, spent countless hours conceiving the the film. And spent countless more hours directing the film, so their attachment to it is like you know it becomes like your baby essentially. So like, you know, let having someone come in who can say like, you know, my attachment to this film is like, you know, barely what yours is. Like yeah. I'm, it's like a way more like cold right. and more calculated like 
uh, outlook on the yeah. film. Whereas the director, like that's why director's cuts are usually like thirty minutes longer because you know or. Exactly, and that's why you have yeah. like people like Malik and uh, Von Trier who are like, "Man, I have this five-hour film that I can't yeah. cut down, so now we got to put it in two parts." But like an editor is going to come in and be like, "Boop, boop, 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 boop." Nah, we don't need that. There goes an hour and a half, like out, gone. You this, know what I mean? Like, this is actually like a super yeah. interesting topic that I've always kind of wanted to talk about. Because, like, at least I don't know with you guys, I, Nick and I have we've only edited our own films. And I have Nick and I have both. One of the, our biggest reasons why we like to do film is the editing part. However, I've always been so curious to just shoot the film and just hand it off to an editor and see what they come up with with our footage. You know what I mean, dude? I'd be. Down. I've never done that before, and it seems like it might not be what we go with, but it would be interesting to see the shit you shot edited in a way that you don't have in your head totally. because because some of it's yeah. going to be gold yeah. some of it's going to be like that is so much fucking better than what i had imagined and some of it might be like oh it's not exactly how we kind of planned that shot but i see what you're doing with that or whatever it's it is. more like yeah i think it's more uh, i i think that's go ahead sorry i'll go uh, let me i just have a thought real quick uh i think that'd be really interesting to see with your types of films that you make because your films aren't like you you don't really do like this linear thing like yeah yeah they're right. not linear um and even if, even when they are it feels like it feels like you like even um you know i'm thinking of off off with their heads like that that to me like that could have been told in a different order oh totally you know? yeah could have could have been interesting still i mean i love the order that it was in and you talked about that early on the podcast and you were like well we just like threw it together and then hit export <laughs> you know yeah. uh and, but it turned out pretty good. Um, but like, even like your vampire was the Cent- vampire one. Scent of a kill. Scent of a kill. Yeah, scent of a kill. I feel like that could have been, um, you know, maybe in a different order. Even like different shots in there to see like what the editor thought right. was right, good. Right. You know. And it, honestly, if you got if you and this editor are on the same level, like he can enhance. Right. Oh, your totally. Shit, you know? Totally. And that's. That's something that I've been told uh, from people um, like, you know, like I've been working with the same uh, people for a while uh, on on this like branded content stuff. And we're at a point where like I think sometimes I know what they want more than they do. So like I'll be like, well, I I know you like this shot, but what do you think if we put this here and then switch these two shots here and then I'll play it and they'll be like, yes, that's exactly what I want. Even though it's the opposite of what. (laughs) So as long as you can like get someone who is at that same, who can like, who knows what you want, who knows you more than you do, uh, you'll be solid. But that's going to take like a couple films to get. Right. It's going to, you know, I've been working with those guys for like three years, like nonstop, like, you know, uh, full time job thing. So it's like we're, we're, we think the same, you know, I mean, I think I have to think the same with that person, but then when I go work with someone else, then I have to try and think the same as them. So it's uh, it's a, it's something that like I I, I can definitely want to like do in the really near future, maybe with our next film, like at least just as something that we could like step away for a couple of days and see what someone else comes up with, and then you know see see what that's like so that we can see the film kind of it through a new pair of eyes and then see it's like okay 
this it's, is something, it's a good idea. You know, like I think it'd be dude, cool. Let I've me never take a crack at it before. Yeah, that'd be I'll dope. Take, dude. I'll edit your shit. Sweet. Yeah, never. that'd be cool. You can even give me. I'd be down to do like an older one, like scent or something. Oh, okay. I'll recut it or whatever. Just for shits and giggles. Yeah. But. Be like when you're when you're a director you tend to get on this like one track mind right and it gets worse and worse the more of a uh higher end director because you have less people telling you no when they should be telling you no it's kind of like this George this Lucas. yeah and this the spielberg <laughs> spielberg itis yeah, or whatever you want to call it where people are just like you're yeah. spielberg make it and do whatever you want yeah um but right so to, lucas was worse than totally spielberg. totally <laughs> record uh yeah. but you know having someone come in and, and just shake it like just getting a fresh perspective is so even and i, I when i say like i am a proponent of having an editor but then after the first draft the director can do whatever they want. Yeah. But I think the first draft is like crazy important to just be like, you know, this guy's just going to cut it. It'll be something about close to what you're looking for. Right. Especially if it's like a film that's like, you know, if it's a Malik film, okay. Malik is going to have to edit his own film because there's literally no, no guide. He doesn't even know what it is until he's doing it. Right. But in a Nolan piece, it's like, there's a script. So you know that there is a, a certain, you know, uh, yeah, there's exactly. a flow to it. There's like, you got to hit these. You beats. have a scene that they yeah. shot and you know that they have this footage from the scene and it's a fairly straightforward scene. You know, Dunkirk was a little different because it was like cutting together different timelines to get them to meet at the end. But in general, like, you know, Tarantino's films are point A to point B. You know, it, it might go from point A to C to B, right. but, you know, it's still eventually getting... Right. The flashbacks yeah. will be in the script, like, this. Yeah, exactly. So, like, written. you know, most editors can come in. And if it is something that's way more, like, experimental, still have, you know, like, people who edit have this, like, musical flow yeah. to them that, like, directors might not have, so, so they can the way they cut where they cut you know like (laughs) is gonna be different than where a director wants to cut to to put two shots together and like it just because like there's literally been times where nick and i were like we know exactly what we want in our heads like and we're literally sitting there re-watching like the four fucking cuts that we there were scenes that we're like okay we need it to look like like this and we both know exactly what we want and it's that it's like that cool like flow or and it's showy type of thing and we can't figure out how to exactly. do it. We're like, I know it's doable, totally with the footage, but we don't, like, and then, but, like... Right. It's so, that whole thing where, you, like, you're working on something, like a puzzle, and you can't figure out what's the, the answer, so you walk away and come back the next day, and right. then you look at it, you're like, there's the answer. Yeah, right. You right. know, it's just like, you just need a new, you need <laughs> fresh eyes. Uh, fight a nickel, right? <laughs> yeah. And, like, I get... I, I'm also a proponent of this because when I, I've also edited all my own stuff, uh, just because like it's hard to get someone to take the time yeah, to yeah. even edit. Yeah. So I always edit my own stuff, but then I always get frustrated because like I saw like I you like yeah like with uh, the Donner Party or whatever. I had every shot and every cut in my head. It was just like yeah. okay, we need this shot and we're gonna <laughs> get that shot and I'm gonna cut it together. And then when I started editing, and I was like, dude, I am not digging the way this came out because. Great. It looked close to what I wanted in my head, but it just didn't flow right. right so, like, yeah. you know, if I would have had someone else come in to just yeah. be like, maybe move this over here, maybe chop three seconds there, extend three seconds there, and like, yeah. you know, like, 
I don't know. It'd be an yeah. interesting thing because I, like, I know that you and I like, like a lot of the same movies. We have that same kind of aesthetic of what we like with Nicholas Winding Refn and Harmony Korine. So it would be cool to hand you over the film to see what you come up with because at least on an aesthetic level, you appreciate some of the same stuff I appreciate. So you might be able to get some of the stuff that I like to see that I want in my films but that I'm unable to really pull off. You know what I mean? So and just be because cool. you have someone edit like a first draft doesn't mean you can't just throw it out and then right. do it yourself. Yeah. At least you had something that right. like or at least work off of it and stuff. Like like generally you know, you're gonna yeah. work off of it. You're totally. probably if anything you're gonna pull like you know sixty percent of it out yeah. and then rework the rest. But it must be cool just to see something that's like because you're gonna see something like oh my god that shot actually that shot of her eye if we was to put that shot right next to this shot the eye like almost it. You know, the way the lamp and the eye in the two mm-hmm. scenes, like, they, like, coalesce together, that actually would be, that would work really cool. And that's something that, like, maybe we didn't even see at all that you've seen because right. you're seeing everything for the first time where we were on set or whatever. And we, we you know, right. so it's just, that's what's fascinating to me about, like, with Kyle Wavra, right? His films, I remember he would shoot them and stuff. And, like, I remember just, like, watching him and kind of see how he would film it and... Then he would just literally, like, literally just, like, dump all his footage to Juliet, and she would just might kind of make her own magic. And they just had something where his style of filming matched her type of editing, and he didn't have to be there for that. She just did it, and it worked. She's a really good yeah. editor, though. Can let me uh, let me inter- let me let me intertwine. I think that's just Julia. I was gonna say she's a really good editor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like as much as credit as I want to get to Kyle. Like I've worked with Julia. I've 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 directed things that she's edited, and um, that's just honestly, it's her process. Like um, I've I've tried <laughs> getting in the room with her um, to to work, and it just it's just it feels like she needs more time, you know. And she's she's the kind of editor who she wants to get it together um, herself um, and almost almost to a fault um, not not to say that she's bad she's really good um, but um, she's amazing she she's a she's a really good editor um, and yeah she, you know, she's a uh, <laughs> Is that drool? I see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, yes, it's drool. But yeah, she's really, she's really great, and um, it's, it's kind of like as soon as you get past that initial stage, it's like, then it's like, all right, let's get the collaboration. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I feel like that maybe that's how Kyle works, um, but, uh, but not everybody's right. like that. You know, some people want to be there from the get go. Some people uh, don't, and you know that's just how it is. But Either way, she's, like, it's, an amazing editor. It's interesting, you know? too, because, like, I, I like to film, like, like sexy things. <laughs> like, I like to film, like, cars, like, ladies that are, you know, dolled up and, like, cool, cool, no, like, uh, please, cool, please go into cool, detail. like, luxury, understand. like, places. I just like that. That's an aesthetic thing that I like. And I like that sexy part. So it would be interesting to, like, hand it, it off to, like, a woman editor and see what she would do with I, something because if anything it yeah. might be more sensual it might be more like sexy or if it would be tamed down like it would be interesting to see like that difference um which would yeah be- dude I'll, I'll tell you what there was uh I, I was doing a project one time and someone made an offhanded comment about someone's boobs in, in the project and i was like 
okay, they like boobs. So then I added more boobs to it. <laughs> you know, like not not to say like focusing shots on boobs. It yeah. was just like more boobs happening. And then I got a comment back that was like, um, I think there's too much boobs. <laughs> you know, like someone like that was like a comment. And I I saved the email because it was fucking amazing. And I was like. Okay, I guess I'll I'll tone down the boobs now, you know, because it was it was uh, you know, it it was like I I just I thought that's what they would have wanted. Jacob they were was like, doing a fetish piece. <laughs> it it actually it was branded. It it was it was not a it it was a it was a branded like a heavy heavily branded video. Um, but it was just Brazzers X X X. Yeah. No, <laughs> that'd be funny though. That'd be a. I don't actually. I don't think I could edit a video. Honestly, I think I would just. I would feel so gross. Uh, but you know, it was just like it was a funny. It was just a yeah. funny exchange, and it, it it came from like a misunderstanding of what the director wanted. You know? <laughs> That's awesome, um, though. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, I think the moral of the story, though, is like, yeah, if you can. I mean, it's up to you, but. Highly, highly, highly recommend getting someone else to get their hands on it. Do, do, do both. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got You have to do both. Yeah, you got to You got to know how to edit. You got to. You got to have other people edit because sometimes it depends on the project. You know, I've I've done uh, projects where I've been editor. I've done projects where I'm the director and someone else is editing. I've done some editing and directing at the same time, and it just depends on the project. And you need to have the knowledge as far as like what you get out of each of those three differences where um where the project is gonna be the best out of that style of production so you just you need to be knowledgeable well yeah you should be doing everything that if like if you're gonna direct you should at some point be an editor do sound do the camera you know like you should i i just i i just i i think uh never mind sorry you 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 keep going I think I assumed something. I'm saying like I'm saying at one point or another on some project you should try the other stuff just to get a idea of what it is to do that. Like it's really interesting cuz I've done it where you where you cut together something you didn't shoot and you have no emotional attachment to and like when like, yeah. how like the the power that you get from not caring about what you're like you care right like you don't like unless it's really like just you're it's a a, a payment situation and you, you don't get but like you know right. it, most of the time you you have you're you're not attached to specific yeah. shots or specific things like you have no idea how long that shot yeah. took you know because sometimes shots take like an hour right. to do and you have no idea so you have no and you're just looking at it like that. doesn't work see ya like yeah. move on to the next one yeah. you know and yeah. and it, the, the, you get it so attached when it is a hard shot that it's like you have to have it. Like, but in reality, maybe that single take that you tried to do actually didn't work, yeah. and you should just maybe cut somewhere halfway through. Yeah, you know, like it's it's a cool process. I actually kind of enjoy editing yeah. other people's stuff just because I like I don't care. Well, I do care, but I don't care. Like, there's not that. It's, yeah, it's not that you don't have that attachment. Yeah, so I tried to try it. What? One thing that uh, was really interesting when I was doing the past 48 is we had another editor, uh, Connor O'Keefe. He came down and edited for us. Uh, and uh, we, I was making changes to the script while we were shooting. So I was like, hey, we need this extra line of dialogue here. Hey, we want um, like this section here. And I, I called it my 
writer guy and he was like yeah sure let's do it and i was like okay and i was like you know add this interview there was there was one time i was like i just i want to do this interview here because she's here she's ready to go and i think we could get some good stuff and she wasn't previously in the script at all um so we just like randomly threw in an interview for it and um it was really interesting seeing the editor like where he put that like where connor put that uh and it was like this actually kind of works you know it's like i didn't think it would work because like the script was so like solid like all the way through um and uh so anything to like break it up would have been horrible which is but we still shot the (laughs) shit anyways just to see if we could get her in there but like it actually like kind of fit and we had to move some things around um but like having him there being like here's how i think this could go and he had the script in front of him so he knew how it worked but he he did the math and like figured out where this random piece could even fit in there and honestly like it i think it works better with that extra piece in there oh sweet yes yeah but just kind of kind of neat uh because i don't think i could have if i was editing i don't know i had no idea where it would have gone until um while i was shooting or anything like i was just like we we just need to get her in this thing in an interview because she didn't have one wow Um, sweet but yeah Yeah. so that editors they do and in both these films actually the they said that editing the dog fighting scenes were like the hardest pieces actually yeah um so and you know that's that's with uh, very experienced directors and ext- way experienced editors, you know, having issues with that. So it's good to collaborate um, when you can. So the just a quick plot, plot summary. Excuse me. Oof, God. Um, so for Hell's Angels, brothers Monty and Ray leave Oxford to join the Royal Flying Corps. Ray loves Helen. Helen enjoys an affair with Monty before they leave on their mission mm-hmm. over Germany. They find her still in another man's arms, which <laughs> is yeah. a pretty straightforward, but pretty, like, that. that is literally, like, yeah. <laughs> a plot. Like, a huge chunk of the movie is, like, this whole, like, plot with these guys, and then it gets to the dog fighting scene, and you're like, dude, this is awesome. Why isn't the whole movie like this? <laughs> and then it goes back to them, and you're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, and then for Dunkirk, it's uh, allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France are surrounded by the German army and are evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II. Uh, so, let's see, Hells Angels was originally conceived as a silent film, but sound technology became available during the production process, and Hughes was adamant about changing over to it. So that's the thing. Um, they're just... I'm going to plug this other podcast. Uh, it's called You Must Remember This. Uh, so it's like this chick who basically goes through like the history of like big Hollywood figures and whatnot and she does this like I don't know like five or six part series on Howard Hughes Um, so if you really want to learn more about Hughes because Hughes was like I mean Scorsese made The Aviator which is literally a a freaking biopic on yeah on, on Howard, Howard Hughes, Hughes yeah. yeah. Such a good um, movie, if anyone hasn't seen that. Hughes was crazy. Like, he was eccentric and crazy and really rich um, and just wanted to, to, yeah, wanted to do uh, everything. So, super interesting guy. What, what's the name of this podcast? You Must Remember This. It's pretty cool. Um, she does a good job with her uh, research. 
But anyway, uh, yeah, so Hughes was like, you know, anything that was essentially cutting edge in technology, he wanted it in his movies. So in doing this, it caused a huge delay on an already heavily delayed movie. The film was delayed so much that James Whale, who was actually brought in to direct the talkie scenes when... uh, when they switched over to doing the quote talkies, which is what they called it, uh, James Whale was able to direct his own film, which was an adaptation of his play Journey's End, before Hell's Angels was finished. So he was brought in to do direct part of Hell's Angels, and it got delayed so hard that he was able to make a film in between, um, which is just it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, also, Hell's Angels is one of the most expensive movies of its time, costing an estimated four-ish million three and a half to four million in 1930 which i you know comes out to something closer to like 55 to 60 million in today's yeah um for inflation um and the budget was inflated to involve sound but also the expensive and spectacular dogfighting scene which required about 140 pilots to make pretty fucking amazing like you can't get away with that anymore no you know like there's no no way well nolan kind of did i guess right i guess with the ships which is well no with the dog fighting too (laughs) though like you know like i will kind of get into a little bit more but yeah in in dunkirk that was like mostly real so cool you know um yeah, Pretty so rare. which is why they make a good pairing because oh, even totally. though freaking Hell's Angels is like seventy percent crappy plot, that like <laughs> that small portion where it's dogfighting is like you know why this movie is yeah so heralded, you know, like I think I, I honestly I didn't mind the plot. I didn't, I didn't mind the plot either, <laughs> but I thought but it was compared nice. to like the dog, I mean like. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, like the dog fighting is where yeah. it's really at. You know, I mean, those scenes are just that, that's where I was right. most engaged. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For I mean, sure. the plot is like if you're into like that kind of melodramatic. I, I'm a sucker for melodrama. Uh, I really well, am when it goes to that stuff. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> that sequence with the blimp. Or the Zeppelin was kind of cool, though. Like, oh, that yeah, one took a pretty decent awesome. chunk of time. So. That, that was cool. cool. Yeah, when they cut the guy, I was like, yeah. they're not going to cut the guy. And I was like, oh, my God, they cut also, the guy. <laughs> I like the shit. Because it's kind of, like, brutal. It's racy like, as hell, too, yeah, for the time. So, yeah. so they, they cuss multiple times yeah. in the film. There's yeah. suicidal death. Like, the Germans just jump out, yeah. you know, of the bl- of the Zeppelin. Jumping. And then the, they cut the cable. And then how much skin Gene yeah. Harlow shows, yeah. too, like, is, for Dude, 1930, is crazy. A lot of cleavage. Yeah. There's some boobs. Yeah, happening. so, yeah. like. And Hughes was into that. He, told, like, Hughes was a womanizer. He was a, yeah. He he liked, uh, when he did the, the Outlaw uh, with, um, oh, gosh. That's bad that I forgot the actress's name. But anyway, they had that whole thing, you know, about how how much of her breasts were shown and how it like you know, oh yeah he was very very yeah. specific when it came to stuff like he, that it's funny because he's he's also kind of, you know how like there's a di- there's like fetish filmmakers and then there's voyeuristic filmmakers yeah but there are there are like sure. directors that do kind of both he's definitely one that does kind of both yeah <laughs> it's, it's kind of which is funny this way christopher nolan based based his version of bruce wayne partially on the life of howard hughes that makes sense yeah, um, and he stated that specifically, like that that billionaire playboy oh. was Hughes. Yeah, there's a connection was, between the movies. Hughes, <laughs> Hughes literally came from yeah. like a multi million dollar oh. family, and then started like thirty different freaking businesses. One of which was like 
aviation and military contracts or yeah. whatever and then he That's had he his hollywood his afterwards yeah. yeah and he turned into like a billionaire f- for in the 30s 40s 50s yeah. or whatever i think i don't remember when he died but he might have been the, like one of the world's i mean probably maybe the world's richest man at one point back yeah. in the day you know yeah and he yeah i think that is true that and he got around true. like he he was one of those guys that was like went through multiple marriages but then yeah. had every everywhere he had mistresses like Catherine Hepburn yeah no like yeah the right. big like and that's what's yeah. really interesting about that other podcast too is like how she connects gotta, gotta sign she the connects prenup. all gotta these like the different women like uh prominent like actresses and whatnot to he like Hughes just had his hand in everything dude. Yeah. this is a crazy guy <laughs> he had his hands in everyone yeah. <laughs> exactly everyone wanted his hands too so yeah. everyone's like hey basically give me those um so you know doing an eccentric freaking scene one like that me. and the the big thing about um Hughes in that scene too is that he was an accomplished aviator and he yeah. owned his own company that was about that and um he designed working with another individual he designed like all of the aerial sequences and like the stunts and stuff and not only did he design like stuff for the movie but like he designed planes in real yeah. life like exactly he was, he was breaking world records and starting that was his big thing yeah stuff. he was yeah. breaking records in planes and like his big thing was like flying and he actually was directing a lot of these scenes from another plane which is insane yeah like like yeah. that's crazy <laughs> it's so cool and then on top of that um there was that one sequence I, it said what i read was that it was towards the end but like it said when they were like coming down for like a strafe strafing run and there was like this they were like basically flying straight down and then they had to pull up at the last second i guess the yeah. the stunt yeah. the the head like stunt pilot guy was like dude this isn't gonna work like it's like physically impossible like you will crash <laughs> and he was like you know none of my guys are gonna do it so he was, did it himself and crashed and I had to go to the hospital like he crashed just like the guy would say but he got in the plane and like did the stunt himself like he was known for just being like fuck it I'll do it whatever dude. like I don't know like, dude was crazy he, yeah. died, he literally could have died and he just like <laughs> didn't care you know he was like the film is what mattered and I, w- I wonder if that was before or after the other stuntmen had died because some stuntmen multiple died people yeah. a lot of people, people died, died yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. some mechanics died, some pilots died. Like this film had a lot of, ca- and that was the other thing. So like this film had this weird notoriety because like it was this huge production. People were dying, and people <laughs> like were like itching to like see it finished. And like there was just like you know it's kind of like this whole like people whispering to each other like, dude, there's that Hughes film out there. Like you know like. You know, that kind of, like, right. thing where yeah. it's being passed around in circles. Where it's yeah. word of mouth. And word it became, like, you know, mystic almost. Like, this this weird, like, mystery film that was... And know. it was so over budget and yep. stuff that I think people were probably thinking he was the office rocker. Totally. You know? And, like, like, are we yeah. ever going to see yeah. this thing, you know? Kind of like what they did to Coppola right. for Apocalypse Now. Like, it was mm-hmm. so far behind. And then they're like, Coppola has gone rogue in Vietnam or uh, Thailand yeah, or whatever. Uh, we, we don't right. know if we'll ever see this movie, you know, that right. thing. It, it, it's like a musician's follow-up album where they, like, hit right. it big. And they're working on one song, yeah. you know? I don't know if you guys have watched... Uh, 
Dewey Cox. Have you guys seen Dewey Cox? No, but I actually kind of wanted to. Wow, I can't believe you guys haven't seen that. That'd be a good pairing with Walk the Line. That'd be perfect. Um, but he's like, he's like, he's been working on this one song for like years, right? And he's like, I just need like a thousand didgeridoos. <laughs> so they bring in a thousand didgeridoos and they all spin them. And he listened to the song, and it's like the worst. There's, it's like so complex. Like there's so much happening in the song, and it's like you've been working on this for three years, man. <laughs> you know, and it's just really funny. That's what it kind of. That's what it kind of. Hilarious. So yeah, most of this production was spent basically trying to piece it together and in editing. Like a huge chunk of this was spent just editing and editing and editing and just trying to get something um, and. There is one scene in the film, a fairly long sequence too, where it's actually in color and it comes out of nowhere. Um, and I think what it was is that Hughes wanted more color scenes, but the company Multicolor that helped film that scene just didn't have <laughs> enough to produce like what Hughes wanted. So. Um, right, you know, and like it's like I said earlier, because that was just the night scene with the Zeppelin, right? That was no, was that it color? was the scene where uh, they're at the party. Did I not even fucking notice? <laughs> Maybe not. It was when they the the two dude main guys show up at the party, and then Helen comes stumbling out of the bushes with this other guy or whatever, um, and you know it's it's the first time that her and like Monty like have their little like kiss and Monty like it's all like you know sad or whatever like it's a fairly long sequence. What the fuck? That's funny. How did I not even notice? Yeah, that's so weird. I don't know. Unless, for some weird reason, maybe you saw some version where they just made it black and white to where, where it just made, like it, did made it look to, like the rest of the film. I, the blue filtered stuff, they don't count as being in color. Yeah, because the blue filter stuff, that's pretty Right, because that was cool, just though. a filter. They did a pretty yeah. good job with that. Which I is thought. literally just supposed to be nighttime, which yeah. is blue. It's yeah, night. it's just like a night filter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. No, but the other scenes were actually in color, um, and that was actually the only time in Gene Harlow's very short life and film life that she was in a co- in color on film. Right. Yeah, so I was going to—I forgot about that. I was going to bring that up. Yes, yeah. and she and she was only eighteen years old when they made this film. Had never acted before, and I think another reason. Oh yeah, what the? Because fuck? like she was the second actress. They they had a film, yeah. like you said, the whole thing. Um, well, yeah, and then then they. It took even longer because she didn't really know how to act, so they had to really take their time with everything. They had to shut her. down production for a while to like teach yeah. her how to act. It's crazy. Yeah, and for an eighteen-year-old playing like this, you know, very loose and free woman, especially for nineteen thirties, was like oh, was God, you yeah. know crazy. Like they imply so much sex. Like when she comes stumbling out of the bush with the other yeah. guy and he's like buttoning himself up, it's like, well, obviously we know what happened there. Yeah. You know, like so it's it, the movie got away with a lot of stuff. I, I I really love this movie. I of course saw the aviator was just fascinated by those scenes of him Watching his dailies, you know, it's you know it's DiCaprio right playing him, and he's like in his private theater, and he's watching all these dailies, and then you know Scorsese has the you know clips of the of the film yeah. playing, you know, on the thing, and I remember just looking at that footage, right. and I'm like, this looks so fucking cool, like I want to I want to get this movie, so 
years went by really and I, I hadn't picked the film up and it wasn't until this last January that I uh, for my birthday my mom was like hey you know what do you want and I said hey you know I'd actually for my birthday I'd, it'd be cool if I got the you know Hell's Angels Blu-ray or whatever ended up they didn't make a Hell's Angels Blu-ray but they have it on DVD so my mom got my mom and dad got me nice. uh, for my birthday the Hell's Angels uh, DVD and then like it was you know a couple months later a couple months ago I watched it with them and my mom likes old movies and stuff like that so she's not really into movies she only likes old movies so we watched it and I remember just being like whoa this is like pretty risque you know like like for its time and I'm like damn I was not expecting this at all but I just I like that I liked how like (laughs) do you regret watching it with your mom no I yeah no no. (laughs) were you like oh god (laughs) oh no my mom's seeing this with me no I've seen I've I've watched I think Blue Velvet with my mom so oh hey buddy Hey, you're not fucking around. <laughs> wow, that's but, uh, a brutal one. I, I, she found that film interesting. I don't think she'd seen anything quite like that before, um, before oh, or cool. since. Uh, she doesn't like that sort of stuff. She doesn't like, like <laughs> nudity or sex or anything remotely like that. Like, did she like uh, Hell's? She Angels? did. She did. Yeah, and and because it was an older oh, movie man. and stuff like that, like she she found right. all that. It wasn't as no. Risque she found as, it all like yeah, yeah. you know. She found it all very kind of comical, like and and you know, like she, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that makes sense. I, I'm I I just pulled this up on YouTube, and this is totally in color. And actually, I remember it being in color. I don't know why I didn't notice this at all, but it's when the two guy the the dude meets the nudie chick, the free spirit. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's when they meet. That's in color, like that. I, I just can't believe that. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just I cannot believe <laughs> that I didn't even notice. That's that. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I expected the more extravagant scene to be in color, so it's 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 a strange choice. But like I said, you know, Hughes was trying to push whatever was the newest technology at the time, regardless of cost. So, you know, he was doing yeah, whatever yeah, he could do. Um, That's kind. Of, I mean, that kind of ties into what Nolan does with the uh, the IMAX. Stuff, yeah, exactly. You know? Like. Uh, He's always trying, like, even if it kind of breaks the flow of the movie, he's trying to, like, do as much IMAX shooting as possible. Yeah, it's amazing how much Nolan was kind of like Hughes in making Dunkirk. Like, he almost, like, tried to be Hughes, you know what I mean? Like, there's shots of him, like, photos of him, like, in the water with scuba gear, like, And he was in a plane, too. Yeah, but not while it was I saw that photo. Yeah, and then you see like Hoyt Van Oydema in there too, and like, like and there, I remember that photo because there's like this guy in the background who has this stupid like fishing hat on, yeah, <laughs> like one of those safari hats, and he's totally just grinning like I'm just happy to be here. This is so cool. I'm on a Christopher Nolan set. You know, that, that reminds yeah, no, me of just, a. He has just dumb look on his. Face. I listened to this like interview with Adam Carolla one time, and he's like, "Camera guys are the most like." Like, you know what a, when you see a camera guy because of the way that they dress. Like, you know, they'll be the type of guy who dresses with those, like, those pants that you can zip, unzip and right. have shorts. Yeah. Like, and they'll have, like, all, like, yeah. the most comfortable stuff because that's just 
they're doing like crazy hard like camera yeah. work and they just want to be comfortable for anything yeah, they're so running, like running walking yeah right do, walking backwards all that stuff yeah yeah so they right and that's versus like the the client or like the studio who's like exactly heels who's wearing you know like really nice comfortable like designer clothes and then the director maybe he's a little bit more well-dressed you know um, and the, but like the camera yeah, guy will have like those dumb boonie hats or whatever, just something to like protect <laughs> him from the sun. Because like it's just like they wear all yeah. like the, the the most protective but goofiest shit. Yeah, yeah, you know. So it, it, yeah, right. That's like grips. Yeah, dude. like I one of my first times going to like a larger set, I was looking around. And I'm like, why are, why are everyone on the crew wearing like those like New Balance shoes? You know what I mean? I'm like, why is everyone wearing like these nice like? And I, and then I thought I was like. Oh yeah, no shit. They that's what they wear because this is what they do all the yeah. time. They're always on their feet and running around. Exactly. So, like, of course they need this. Stuff. Exactly. So then that's when I went and got my own. I was like, yeah, I need some good, good shoes for running around and shit. Yeah, I definitely prefer like even when I'm directing, it's like shorts, you know, whatever nicer shoes because you're going to be standing. Because I get like super hot, you know. So I dress oh, comfortable. Yeah, dude, so sweaty, sweaty, hungry, thirsty. Yeah. You know, tired. You get everything. It's the actors that have to deal with all the shit. Like, here's a bunch of blood, and you're like half right. naked. So, that, yeah, and it's thirty degrees right. out. <laughs> this uh, this rubber suit that looks like leather, but it's made out of rubber. Like, how, I feel bad for all the actors. Can't have le- leather on set. It sounds. <laughs> I feel bad for all the actors that like are waiting around and yeah. stuff. You know, especially in weathers or, or weather, inclement weather or whatever. I don't know. I don't. They're my sheep. They better do what I say. I'm just kidding. Well, I don't feel bad yeah, I feel for, bad. like, I feel when bad you get too, a $10 yeah. million dollar paycheck. We'll so, see. You know? Well, okay, I don't feel bad for those guys. But I feel bad the for, other like, ones, the, yeah. the extras, you know? But they're there because they want to be there. But, like, you know, it would suck to be in some of those locations and, you know. <laughs> totally. And, like, you know. Right. And so just to wear the things that they're, they have yeah. to wear, you know. I remember one time I was shooting this thing and... um he the guy uh chris evan christopher i was using him and i was like you need to be smoking for this thing and he went through a pack and a half of cigarettes and i was like dude why didn't you say anything man (laughs) and he's just like i didn't want to disrupt you and i was like holy shit you smoked a pack and a half dude it's been like two hours like you go to hospital? Like, that's fucking crazy. This is nuts, dude. He's like, yeah, I'm all, I'm fine. I just, I looked at him in his head. That's when I noticed. And I was like, dude, what's wait, happening? Wait, who is this? And he's like, Evan Christopher. Oh, my God. Uh, dude, Evan Christopher. Okay. <laughs> so I did this film for a, 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 a class for t- with Tony Pritchard, uh, or for Tony Pritchard. And I did this film where he played this, this, uh, abusive brother yeah with uh, yeah, yeah. so there's yeah, a scene yeah. at the end of the movie where we had him like dry heaving in the film and he would like dry heave just and we wanted something like just uncomfortable for the viewer to like just sit through and just have this guy just like dry heaving and just making these terrible noises so we filmed him doing this for like quite a long time like and he, it was like some oh. of the most like grossest like like it's imaginable and he was so into it like he just got he just was we were filming it for so long and he just kept doing it kept doing it kept doing it his voice was like shot and his eyes 
<laughs> the vessels had like you know burst. Oh shit! Like, like dude. yeah, Whoa. he was so into it. He just and he's like, dude, it. I don't feel good at all. Wow. I'm like, dude, I, I like, I feel, I felt bad because like, to me, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do the movie because I wanted this ending of him just like pretending to throw up or like you know like just barfing you know or like dry heaving and and he just went for it and it's so yeah I, I felt bad but like his eyes like yeah the same thing they were just bloodshot and he did not feel good so like yeah. we like gave him water and and something else like I think we like quickly gave him food or something because he wasn't feeling good at all like because just that <laughs> you know I don't know it was just hilarious I love but. how we each have a dude he's yeah. dedicated I like working with him because he's he goes that extra mile and right. we'll do it right. and it's funny because I have a I have a story about them too we all have <laughs> I know awesome. in, in, in the in the Donner party he I had the the matriarch slash patriarch was a was a cross dresser so he it was him he was like a dad but he like had this like psychosis so he like became the mom and would literally and we had him in drag like he put the lipstick on i had him in this like this like yeah yeah you know <laughs> no strap like shirt like a dress and uh he i had this gross scene where uh he, you know the, it was like the family or whatever so and it was like an incestuous family so like i had him lick uh my other actors like face but he the other actor was like we were in the basement and it was like hot and he was like sweaty and oh, and, and evan like licked his face like three or four times to get the shot like <laughs> you know it was just like this like very it was, it was supposed oh, to be this cringy God. moment and he just he went he for it, did it and he yeah. was cool with the drag like he was cool with just doing the being that person like you know it's he he's uh and when he did the 48 you know he was up with us he was doing all the work he I was, was just gonna say being who he I could you know he, my two favorite roles that he was in were in both of yours the the sanana bob sananab San, i can't it's say bananas that. backwards <laughs> and uh the donner party i think are my two favorite roles that he's played in like <laughs> i thought he did a good job in both of those yeah i feel like i yeah i feel like i kind of hit it with casting him on those yeah. ones for sure uh, but yeah it's it's funny how we each have like a shout out to evan though funny. evan is he's he's cool dude i like to work with him for sure so he's hardcore he's hardcore yeah, yeah. if he still lived in town i would be i would be casting him and stuff he's at. I, I think so i think I he's think in he, seattle or he kirkland or something yeah because yeah. yeah. I, I i'm still friends with him on facebook and he posts stuff Northern every once seattle, in a while yeah. but i haven't seen anything film related he came up from seattle to do the donor party i think actually like he was and that's cool too like he was willing to just fucking show up dude and like do it like he, I think he's. I think he's in like a comedy group. I think that's where he's getting a lot of his. Makes stuff sense. Now. I want to say something mixed peanuts. Hmm. Some, something. Peanuts. He's he's built for comedy. I think. I think that's really his, yeah, his strong that's kind suit. Of his thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sonnenab was fun. The pairing we had with that one for sure. Um, so Dunkirk. Uh, let's just get into it real quick. So in typical Nolan fashion, Dunkirk was very practical effects heavy, using thousands of extras and cardboard cutouts as stand-ins so that the CGI was kept to a minimum. So speaking of extras, like I can't imagine being dressed like those guys were on that beach filming those scenes like some of them were in the water and some were constantly wet some were just standing around like it's there was a lot of a lot of uncomfortableness i think but you know being i'm an extra in a nolan film like that's oh, a cool thing to put yeah, a, i would totally yeah i wouldn't complain one bit yeah and right they, yeah that'd be amazing um 
just to be a part of anybody's like vision like that you know yeah this would be that's sweet. why i think getting like you'd think it's like kind of weird like extras are a weird thing but it's one way to get your yeah. foot in the door and yeah. you know show up on set and you get to see some cool people yeah. like you know that's, i'm not into like you know acting or anything but it would be fun to be like an extra you know you know anything for like with a J.J. Abrams movie or Christopher Nolan or Scorsese, and of course there'd be the ones I know, the the big names like Scorsese and stuff would be cool. But I'd be fine, you know, being in a Gary Ross film as an extra or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be fun. It'd be cool to do. Yeah, it'd be an totally. experience. Lit- literally, anything yeah, would be yeah. awesome because it'd be just it'd be fun yeah, totally. part of it. TV show, everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so some scenes had some CGI touch-ups. Obviously, because that's kind of just the nature of film nowadays. Um, but no singular scene was totally CGI, which is really important to think about when you think about the scenes in this film, like all the boat stuff, sinking boats, crashing planes, stuff like that, flying planes. Like, you know, it's impressive to have all that be practical. Um, so for a lot of the ocean scenes, the filmmakers used a huge pool in L.A. to shoot. <laughs> uh, which obviously like you're not going to just sink a ship in the middle of the ocean right you're going to do it in a controlled environment where you can potentially do it multiple times in a row um, and uh, they actually use like you know models and scale models and stuff like that too mixed in obviously uh, because just, if you're going to do it practical that's the way you're going to do it um, so Nolan actually It'd be, it'd be too expensive to to, <laughs> to do an actual... Even show. though they actually had real ships <laughs> in the film, you know, like... And they... I, I don't know... I mean, there's some where they had... Where they weren't... Maybe they were, like, portions of a ship that they built. But, right, you know, because right. they were full-size because people had to be on them. But, you know, there was some stuff where they were yeah. using fairly full-scale things and sinking it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just like little f- parts of the ship sort yep. of a thing, and like those uh, those shots where it's like the the wa- like those really cool shots where it's like the camera's mounted to the ship and like the water. Yeah, is exactly. Like over the thing, you know, like that's probably all totally. Built, I assume. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, they, they they broke a plane apart in the air for Dark Knight Rises, so it's not inconceivable for them to like just sink shit. And break stuff and yeah, whatever you know. I like, want to say I read somewhere. Yeah, they built a Messerschmitt, you know, German airplane for five million dollars for this movie just to crash it, just to just to be able to to have a real. Oh, Tom, is that Tom Hardy's plane? Uh, no, I think no. a German plane, right? A uh, German plane, yeah. And oh, it, 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 but they to, did oh, burn his plane, yeah. Yeah, so like they fil- and just just so that they yeah. could have it film where the Messerschmitt landed and crashed into the water so that was so that they could have that reel you know mm-hmm. it's like yeah. they spent five right. million bucks for that yeah so I, I actually kind of touched on that a little bit too so basically what they did was uh, they had two full scale planes that were entirely remote controlled which were actually crashed into the English channel so crazy man. yeah dude that's I mean that's like I mean think about those permits <laughs> who gets away with that nowadays you know like yeah you know yeah, like right? <laughs> I don't know I'm not like you know, dying to see Nolan films, but I'm constantly impressed by the stuff that he's able to get away right. with. Yeah, that, I think, I think that, I mean, because we were kind of, at least me, we're not bashing on him, but I, I'm not like a huge Nolan. Like, are you talking about a couple episodes ago? Where we, yeah, yeah, like, like, like I, I enjoy all of his movies, 
but I'm not like this huge aficionado. But what I'm so impressed with, like what you just said, is the constant stuff that he's able to do with such a big Hollywood budgeted film. And what's impressive about this one is that it was not even his biggest one. This one was made for an estimated hundred million. Yeah, and that's not much. I'm considering Jane for a Jane period was piece, eighty million. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Interstellar was like two hundred, yeah. or some crazy stuff like that. You know, like, like yeah, it's pretty, yeah, pretty one of his cheaper ones. Yeah, for sure. and a period piece, which is a period piece, is always expensive. Yeah, because you have to build the world, um, and then all the extra, like all the full scale stuff, bringing in all the people with ships. Yeah. You know, the little boats, like, and I, I think I wrote this down too, like. Some of the ships they use, so they they brought in old, actually old ships and had them remade for the film. But then they also had ships that were literally at the Dunkirk battle as part of the yeah. film too. It's like pulling it, and then they shot on the actual beach. That Crazy. was the actual place where that happened. So like, they, I know so pulling sweet. in that history really like you know I'm sure for the people there like had this feeling yeah. that was like you just can't recreate you know like I heard they or, well he literally did recreate but you can't get otherwise without being there yeah. and using the real stuff. I heard that he filmed a couple of different places because they filmed... They did, yeah. ...at the Dunkirk Beach, right? And then they filmed... Was it... They filmed in the Netherlands? Netherlands, that's it. They yeah. filmed... They sunk... Uh, oh, shoot. It was either they crashed a plane or they... I think they sunk a ship in a lake uh, wow. in the Netherlands because it was like a more controlled environment, yeah. obviously. And then they shot in the UK and they shot in LA, LA obviously, yeah. um, on on stage and... and pools and stuff like that um so yeah it was I, definitely you know the stuff that's on the beach is literally at that beach though yeah. so that's that, that's a huge chunk of the movie right uh right i remember right. after the movie i went with my buddy uh he's actually headed out he joined the army and he's uh headed out to uh basic and then right out of basic he's going to officer uh school <laughs> officer training uh Gosh, damn. School, yeah, yeah. School. Uh, 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 right after that, um, so I, I won't be seeing him for you know a long time. So we were trying to hang out as much as possible, like during the weekends and stuff. So we, I went and saw Dunkirk with him, and uh, uh, we we both like left him, you know, left the movie, and we were like, dude, like there wasn't one shot where I recognized anything CGI. Like, like. There was one, I think, of a ship that I was kind of like, is that a CGI ship? But oh, you're uh, right, yeah. though. Like, like, most I, of it, like... Not, like, to me, like, from what I remember, you know, like, I did not... There wasn't anything that took me out of the movie when it came to CGI. Like, normally, in, like, any film, I'll po- I'll point something out. Even films that aren't even, like, effects-heavy, I'll point something out, like, oh, man, that backdrop, like, they didn't do a super good job with the clouds or whatever, you know? Like, I could tell that it was, you know, digitally added. Right. This film, though, I was looking at it I do not remember anything that you know when I watch it on Blu-ray or whatever I'm sure I'll probably pick more out but the first time I saw it I was so impressed I was like this is the most possibly the most flawless or the most the best incorporated use of real like bigatures or whatever mm-hmm. and like like staged yeah. it controlled you know environment stuff and then Combinate, you know, combining it with CGI. I was, I was super impressed with that. Like how he got away with that. Like, yeah. I mean, the, I, dude, I agree. I, I couldn't find a single shot, and <clears throat> they, they had VFX in this movie, and it's, you know, a sign of good VFX is you have no idea yeah. it's even there, you know. And, uh, it, you know, I think there, there's plenty of movies out there where you're like, that's VFX, that's not, you know, like there's, 
car scenes that are like obviously VFX, you know, but um yeah, this movie like I don't I couldn't tell you what's VFX and what's not. Like I I don't think it's cool. Uh, you know, just from my eye. Yeah, I I guess what's so cool about this movie and what's it makes a really good pairing with Hell's Angels is that for me Dunkirk actually seemed kind of like it was made not stylistically, but the feel of the film like it felt like kind of organic in that it was kind of made like an older film, you know, like because things seemed kind of real, but stylistically wise, it was definitely I felt like maybe Christopher Nolan's most not only like avant-garde film, but his most like modern film in the sense of the way he, the, the way he used the time, the time, yeah, and the way even it, the way it was shot, yeah. like this. It, it seemed epic, but also contained. So it was contained and so yeah. precise in what it was trying to have you experience that it seems uber modern. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think the one thing that makes it kind of give it that old feel, too, is, is the fact that there wasn't a lot right. of dialogue. Right. You know, like uh, just because they were doing that, they had to figure out, like, okay how do we tell this story with just visuals, which is a very old, that's like an older film type thing to do. Cause like before there were talkies, like all you had was like, how do we do visual storytelling without sound? Um, and so, you know, it kind of had this classic kind of feel to it, but at, you're right. At the same time, it did have this modern feel, but I, my gut says, I don't know this for sure, but I mean, I, I think that, you know, whoever was, or Chris was writing this, but, like, you know, him and whoever was working in the beginning stages of, of the development of this project um, was going back and looking at Hell's Angels. They were looking at old um, films, uh, you know, even b- before the talkies that that, that uh, had this kind of visual storytelling. Yeah, that's uh, 100% what they did. So, um Funny enough that you say it's a modern piece. He actually wrote this script in the 90s. Oh, wow. Uh, it's uh, And it, they make it sound like he kind of just, like, wrote it, and it was like, boom. Like, it just was so conceived in his head. Um, and it was a 76-page screenplay, which obviously is pretty short. Yeah. If you consider a screenplay yeah, it's it's supposed to tech, is close to one minute of page is one minute of film. Um and the reason why it was so short was because there wasn't a lot of dialogue. It was just a lot of action stuff. Um, so, so it's just large yeah. chunks of, of if uh, you ever see yeah, what a script looks like, I mean, you can have 20 different pieces of action on a page, right? So it's not going to be one minute of action. It's going to be yeah. however long it takes. Cause you could, you could say something right. like so-and-so walks down the hall. Well, it could take them 20 minutes to walk down the hall because of how you do it. Right. Yeah. Um, Right, but then if you have dialogue, it like that could totally. fly. You know, if you have like a huge dialogue scene, you know, like three pages, like that could because we can because humans you know, say could. like can say like two or three words a second or something like that. Like, oh, wow. um, so you can kind of I didn't even know that. that. Yeah, yeah you can kind of gauge it like that. I did not <laughs> know that. Well, I guess some of us I speak I... a little slower than others. <laughs> All of a sudden, he just goes Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, God. I went Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, for you, B. Ryan, oh, I know it's God. a fan. <laughs> Down with Pulp Fiction, up with no. Forrest Gump. Because Forrest Gump doesn't get enough acclaim, right? <laughs> Forrest Gump needs another Oscar. Oh, no. Definitely um, not. <laughs> so you're 100% right, though. Sorry. 
Sorry, I just killed the mood. I just killed it. You're 100% right, though. The, uh, Nolan, his big inspirations were documentaries and silent films because he knew that when he wrote the piece that it was going to have, you know, very minimal dialogue. Uh, and actually, most of his inspirations were not war films. There's a couple that were, but most of it was just different types of silent huh. films um, to get that mood. That's just get that understanding of, yeah. like, how to tell a story. And, dude, watching this movie really... Because I've always been more of a proponent of less dialogue, and watching this yeah, movie, here. like, really just made me think, wow, man, I really need to get back to that. Because, like, to me, it just feels like... I don't know. I feel better when I'm doing action. When it when it's yeah, same when here. it's I, visual. Like I really have no interest in filming dialogue. I find I've it just to be the most it done boring. So well, that yeah. I have no interest in doing. But it. it's also the most boring. Like yes, yeah. you know, dialogue can be filmed a bunch of ways, but typically there's like one way, and it's like the most boring thing to me just yeah. to, just to do it like that. And I don't know. Like I want, yeah, I want to see action. And, yeah, and the thing is, not action as in like people like. Go, you know, car cases. I mean, yeah, of course, but like, see, I, I'm yeah. just, just like, just people doing stuff. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's what's interesting. I think. Um, yeah. So, like people having breakfast. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather. I'd you rather see the the poor of this. Yeah, cereal. I'd rather have like a quick like see, yeah. scene of that, like super quick, right? Of eat, someone eating breakfast, and then like you can tell that they enjoy it. Than rather having like an old lady come in. Did you enjoy your breakfast? Oh yes, it was good. Like like I like why you know when you can just have a quick shot shot of them like enjoying their breakfast. You know, I don't know. That's so funny because when I was watching Hell's Angels, I was like, this dialogue is incredibly on the nose yeah, like yeah. It, it, like dude that it, opening like, scene it's like it feels like oh the characters God. are saying like exactly what they're <laughs> thinking like at all times you know which is a sign of on the nose dialogue and sometimes that's not what you want but i think for an action movie i guess that that is kind of what you want you know you need that quick like blam you know? i liked how it was so kind of like i don't know on the nose for me i kind of like that because it just seemed it just seemed i don't know it was kind of endearing to me I'm really interested in going back and figuring out, like, why the fuck older movies were so on the note. Like, like, I understand, like, if film was, like... Maybe because it was easy. It was, like, it's easy to see, like, what people are like. And, you know, this film, it's not a character-driven movie. But I know, but, like, it's just, like, it's, like, an... I mean, films today do it, obviously, but it's, like, an older film thing, too, where this is, like, the dialogue is, like... I don't know. Like, they just assume that the audience were just never going to get it. So if you don't say that, I am a white man, they're not going to realize that you're a white man, even though they can clearly see that you're a white man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh my God, that'd be I'm hilarious. a womanizer. You should shoot something like that. Why are you not a womanizer? Why I, do you like this girl? I like that in some old movies, though, where it's like, but I, I mean, I'm a brother. Brother. I mean, how dare you hit that woman when, like, two seconds ago we saw him hit the woman? Right. You know? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm more curious right. about, like... Brother, how dare you hit your wife whom you love and have told me <laughs> yeah, that right? <laughs> but see, like, why? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's... It's that's a, a good, good question. question. Yeah, I... It's almost like they didn't trust the audience. Maybe that's, that's what, what it is. Because the audience... And then, again, back... It's yeah, it's spoon feeding the like, audience. And, you know, the audience too probably had a way harder time following anything when it came to moving images because it's just something that people, they weren't accustomed yeah. to, to to you know watching. Whereas now we're so we don't even know how how well our minds have adapted into that. Which again, when you were talking about how there was no dialogue in, in Dunkirk, I, I 
I found that super interesting and super exciting. I was like, this is something that I I have felt is be- possibly coming to become more and more uh, a popular thing is because everything is so image-based these days. Like, I think people don't necessarily need dialogue, and even though some people would probably complain, oh, there's hardly any dialogue in this movie. But... I think it's something that people are, at least filmmakers, are looking into yeah. more. You know, it's like, wait a minute, we maybe. Can... I think I, if if I'm to just spit spitball here, you know, people are on their phones all day, right? They're in public places. They're waiting for the bus. They're walking around downtown. You don't necessarily want to be that asshole who's like playing a video on the bus, who's who's doing all that audio related things like in public. Yeah. You know, so you flip your phone on and you look at facebook but you keep all the audio right off. you know you read subtitles you, you 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 do you know i've watched trailers for movies um with subtitles because it's like i just i need i don't want to be that asshole you know who's like playing <laughs> yeah things on the bus that everyone can hear um i i maybe that's what's given us that nice influence of like all right let's try and do something with no sound like this this trailer was actually cool without sound this video is actually pretty interesting without sound. Like, how how can we do something like that? I know Nolan wrote the script in the in the uh, what'd you say in the nineties, yeah. but maybe studios are like, hey, we can do this no sound thing. I, you know, like we can. I don't know, man. No sound, but like you know, I don't know. Like no dialogue. I, I think it's because it's Nolan that he got away with it. Like. <sighs> yeah, I think it's like no. I think I think you're right about that. I'm, I'm I mean, just, what are the most popular TV if there shows is a right trend, now? Trend. I I was referring to the trend, not so much. Yeah, but Nolan, I think we're even part of the trend. But I think we're trending opposite of what you guys are saying still. Because like Game of Thrones, any of the Netflix, big Netflix most popular shows are literally yeah. just people drama. People just I hate you, you hate me, well, you know, and yeah. there might be one fight, but then they're like yelling at each right. other the whole time to fight. Like there's a lot of talking. No, Game of Thrones it, is a soap right. opera and people who think that it's not yeah. are stupid. Like that's that's just it's totally. a soap opera. I, it is. I, I'm kind of seeing both because like I think what maybe the biggest thing is not so much that there was no dialogue, but I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing more are what I would call like experience movies. Movies that Want that the filmmakers want you to experience, right? Alejandro Gonzalez and Urantu wanted the, the the audience to be to have an experience when they watched The Revenant. Again, that's another movie. Very little dialogue. He wanted you to feel like you were with Tom Hardy and DiCaprio, you know, in the woods, you know, with them. Christopher Nolan yeah. wanted you there experiencing Dunkirk like the soldiers on the beach like the guy on his boat and like Tom Hardy you know flying his plane like he wanted you to be there all these these type of movies like they're kind of, like they're experience movies you know what i mean like so right. i and they're they're almost like 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 they're like theme park movies but like they're not but, um and they're done by they're they're not like branded you know like they're it's like hey you're going to go and it's going to be it's almost like a 4D movie. Like, they're trying to, like, get get it on that extra level sort of Yeah, thing. and it ties in, like, with VR, which is becoming more and more popular. And so, like, I think it's not so much that it's, like, no dialogue is what's getting it popular or what's trending or whatever. But it's, it's the fact that these experience type things are becoming more popular. Not that they are popular, but that that's the trend that the, peop- that the people that 
CEOs and people that way above, right, are putting their money into right now, which we may not see for a while, but that's what everything is going towards. You know what I mean? Like, we might not see that, but that's what the, the gears are shifting towards that. And then maybe we'll see it in 10 years. But I feel that we're going to be experiencing more of these type of movies and we're going to see way more. Of so them. you're you're theorizing that people nowadays are like what this is what we're gearing up towards yeah is, i think it's less less talk i think that's your guess i think yeah i think it's grooming and it's not so much that it's less talking but experience people don't want to necessarily have an experience where they're sitting across a table from michael kane talking about something rather right because you can do that at home not with michael kane but you can have an experience where you're talking with someone but these movies of like i'm I, I felt like i was on the boat and it was sinking i felt like i was in that plane and 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 we were flying and we were fighting the germans or i felt like i was you know right. in the bushes and and that bear was going to come out at any point like people want that thrill people you know because now like in hell's right. angels like People that that movie was probably like so such an experience for them because it was so you know epic yeah and now because of computers and because of computer games and video games and and all this stuff the experience of like just going to a movie is different and again the big it's all money right so they want okay what are we going to push what, you know it was 3D now 3D is kind of waning a little bit in the big IMAX not IMAX 3D but just IMAX in general the big 70 millimeter the experience not a lot of it's getting done but I I think it's grooming into that I uh, think we're going to I be seeing more into more you're into. partly right it's not I think where you think it's going is where you're wrong it's going to be VR well, yeah, that's what I mean. VR. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all pushing towards that. So, like, like Dunkirk, about. it's not a VR movie, obviously, but it's more of a VR movie than you would than like you know the Hateful Eight, right? And it and it's so it's pushing more towards VR. All the money right now, like big money, is being invested into VR. Yep. Like China, like they're going to be owning the 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 film world in the there next was, 20 years they just made a, a release of vr film like one of the first major bigger budget vrs and it had jeff goldblum in it oh wow um, and it's it's I, I didn't watch it but it was like some like synopsis was like you're you're, you're a robot or something and he's like the creator or something oh, like wow. that and you experience it from the ro robot's point of view i don't know i mean i could definitely Makes me sad because I would not want to watch a movie with the stupid VR fucking goggles on. But you know, if that's I'm curious, the direction it goes, like, what are we supposed to do? Do you, do you guys think it'll be more of a category than an actual? Because I, I feel like I read this somewhere where it was like, if you have to convince people to wear something on their face, then that's not going to work. Like, you have to do it in the like you can't have to put something on for it in order for it to be successful and maybe that works for gaming you know uh but i i, I hope i hope yeah what movie's gonna be it's, good with yeah well, it, has like, it, from, it's well, it has to be designed from because it's has to be designed from the ground up to be a vr movie it's it's gonna and it's right it's a different kind of movie there's no pacing to it there the music isn't gonna yeah, work it's gonna, like it, it, there's it's no gonna, timing. Like that's what a movie is—is is timing. So with VR, there's no timing anymore. So I don't—I don't understand why it, that would. It'd be a different gonna, category. Yeah, it could, it's, could going, it's going. I don't know. It's—it's it's interesting because like this year, this last you know 2017 at the Cannes Film Festival was the first year it um, had a VR film, 
um, in like official comp- uh, official uh, selection. It wasn't in competition, but it was an official selection. And it was Alejandro Gonzalez and Uratu who did The Revenant. And it was a thing where you would put on your VR goggles and you were in this big warehouse and it, they had sand all over the, the ground. And it basically transported you as if you were an illegal alien crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. And then you would get, uh, you know, at one point, you know, you're with all these other families, uh, you know, crossing the border. And then, like, helicopters and jeeps and stuff pull up and it's the the border patrol. And then you get, you know, um, uh, corralled into this, you know, area and you experience, like, you know, all that, right? And it's supposed to be very interesting, but... It's kind of Yeah, which is cool, but... um, and you can do whatever you want. Like you, I guess they did. You know, they were looking at it, and most people just kind of followed the other Mexican, you know, uh, travelers right. because, like, it, again, it felt real. So they would, they were doing what the the you know the the border patrol guys were you know telling everybody to do and stuff. But you could just do whatever you wanted, and you could walk over, you know somewhere else and ignore everybody because there's no right obviously they're not right. gonna be like hey you come back you know <laughs> like oh uh, it's not that immersive yet but like right it's not like not like Skyrim, right you know not not like bethesda but, but like yeah, yeah. but it's still an experience where it you could experience it that way or you could kind of experience it as like kind of a more of a virtual world but there's no real exact story to it at that point because you're not following what the filmmakers have kind of already set up. And timing is weird because it would transfer, it would just kind of fade into the next scene, basically. You'd, you you were there, and then right. all of a sudden you were like in a Humvee or whatever, or like a, a prison transport thing, right, or whatever. Um, right. And there's like one... Right. Yeah, there's like no s- storytelling. But there, I mean, there's a little bit, because like, I guess you followed this family or group right through an ordeal which it's not really it's not really a okay. story all but right, and right. i guess at one point it one is of the, a series of more it, uh, uh intense yeah. problems though right yeah like, it's it's kind of it's like it's almost kind of verite a little bit i don't know but you know sorry yeah if you have any more to say go ahead oh sorry. no well i guess like at one point like there, like the, one, there's a lady in front of you or something and you see her heart and it's like beating and stuff it's supposed to be really emotional. I guess people uh, w- they they took off their sight their uh, the goggles their goggles and stuff, and they were like crying or whatever. They felt wow. it was. I guess it was super intense, oh, wow. and people were like really shaken by it. And I guess Inuratu uh, was very pleased with that. And cool. I guess he, but he'd been working on it for you know seven years. Yeah. Which, but of course, we hadn't heard That's about cool. that. We hadn't heard that he was doing this VR project for the last seven years. It just came out. You know, right? And so, but I, I, I just I know that it might not be something that we're ever going to see in a mass uh, thing, even in our lifetime, maybe. But I think it's that money though is going towards that. I think. I hope it stays a separated genre thing where you know this film was made in VR, so you watch in VR. But right. if you don't want to see it, then you don't see it. Where VR is going to make the biggest killing. 100% guaranteed is horror. Right, yeah. Because I don't know if you ever I mean just playing a first person horror game is like a, a, enough to immerse you to the point where like dude, I don't want to turn my character yeah. around. <laughs> first person they they've already tested it uh, the new Resident Evil 
you can play the entire thing in VR and like people are literally like it's like changing the game experience because like they literally will like not go ahead because yeah. like <laughs> yeah and they won't yeah They're they so won't turn afraid. around because no you have to physically turn around right That's to get the I to need. get the first person view to go there and they like won't do it because they're afraid of something like popping up and they don't want to go into like dark places because if something pops up like oh and when you actually have the goggles on like you know you don't think about like how immersive it can be when you are just wrapped into it but with horror it's like yeah horror is a weird genre when it comes to games and how like immersive like controlling someone is is different in horror right. so i think we're what's gonna take off it's restrictive it is. and yeah. it's gonna be like dude there's gonna be this fucking haunted mansion or haunted house movie that comes out where they map the entire house in vr yeah. and you can just wander around yeah and there's gonna be shit wa- uh, there's gonna yeah. be shit lurking dude and it, people are, it's gonna be <laughs> the new haunted it. house and people are gonna go oh, because it's not october they're gonna go see it in freaking february and they're gonna get their yeah. haunted house experience and it's just gonna be like and it's therapeutic people like to get Fuck scared yeah. people know? like to be scared yeah, yeah. and i people horror like that, already yeah. makes some some of the largest amounts of money in the in the movie world yeah so i and not, if vr is going to take off there and not 100 percent like, like horror but like just like yep. video games in general like just like oh yeah totally it, video like, games it, obviously yeah, yeah. Like, like it's gonna it's just gonna be right. such a huge thing it's probably not gonna hit the film part for quite a while but it's gonna yeah like you're saying it's gonna yeah. kill for that sort of stuff for sure but let's let's all be honest let's all let's all take a step back horror horror definitely is the genre where it will for action maybe but before all that porn it's It's already happening in porn yeah it's all it's gonna it's porn like that's that's where the vr yeah that's true porn we're all just just sick perverted fucks like that's just who we are as if vr has any sort of success or launching pad which it's already pretty deep into porn like porn's already like there yeah they're already producing all that stuff so like (laughs) it that's what's gonna of course make vr successful or keep it afloat yeah um for sure for sure yeah all yeah all good things start there like on honestly like all like you know like high quality video on the on the internet you know like 4k hd that's all it's all from porn (laughs) yeah you know and you know youtube picks it up and gets the hd stuff going on and that's cool and cameras start doing it but it's all because of porn that's that's stupid and that sucks but that is the reality that is just that is just where like Porn is like the military of tech, technology, you know, or technology. <laughs> yeah, like that's true. Military like is like studying all this technology. Like, get you know, they invented the internet. They um, did all this stuff, and porn is doing that for 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 film. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, they just that's are. true. They are especially for cheap indie filmmakers like ourselves. You know, porn is is carving the path for us to to ride it. Yeah. So and that's you, definitely gonna me, I guess. push us in the direction. Um, but I think horror or action. Now that I think about it too. I think it's people are gonna be dying to be John Rambo. Yeah, yeah like or, hard, hardcore, hardcore, hardcore Henry. Right. You know, if you could have done hardcore Henry, that, that but looked around like yourself, it would have been It'd been crazy. Yeah. You like a 360 yeah. film? Yeah, that would be People want to be the guy yeah, who's freaking better. riding on the motorcycle with a gun in one hand and explosions yeah. going, you know, all around you. Like, they're going to be a hot girl wrapped around your back. Pe- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People want just, like, different shit sometimes. But people, people also want the same thing, you know? Like, there's so many just studio comedies that are just, like, the improvised 
you know, you know, like the Kristen Wiig comedies that are, you know, that are out and they're like improvised, funny stuff that make a lot of money. Yeah, they make a lot of money, and it, you know, it's because people like them, and people like knowing that. Okay, so if I go to this movie, this is the experience I'm going to get. It's safe, you know. People go to the same restaurant and order the same meal. Like, yeah. over and over again, because they like the safety. But then th- there's this weird crowd of people. Not weird, but then there's people who also like, you know what, I'm going to try something new today. Let's go check out that VR thing. That sounds kind of cool. Or let's go do something else and just kind of think outside yeah, like, the box. I-, I always underestimate the power of, like, nostalgia. You know, I think nostalgia and and that safety thing that you were talking is super... Nostalgia, for like, sure, important. Dude. You know, like, I love watching old movies like Hell's Angels. Like... I actually think I might like yeah. Hell's Angels more as a movie than Dunkirk, which I love Dunkirk, but but Whoa, I bro. like I Whoa, bro. Take I, I, just, back, I like bro. Hell's Angels because like what it did for <laughs> movies in general and like a hundred and something pilots and like all the crazy stuff that it did like it's just an insane film like it's just an insane movie but the movie that I like even better than than Hell's Angels is Wings you guys need to really check that out that's like. Not only is the plot better, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely crazy. I think more people died too. Wings, Wings yeah. yeah no um, it was the first movie ever to win an Oscar. Cool, yeah. But yeah, it's just, uh, it'll yeah, be on our list. Is that when they first started? Yeah, the Oscars? yeah. Clearly, so good. So <laughs> if it was good. the first one to win an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like the first one, the night, like they start, or like the first best picture winner. I think, yeah, first best best picture winner, first ever. Yeah, best picture. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, but it was like when they first no, started. Uh, yeah, no. I want to talk about opinions. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about opinions, but I just want to say this last couple of things real quick. Yeah. Um. So they basically. To get real life flying stuff, um, they they were in planes. There were cameras in planes. They had to retrofit planes to have extra seats so that um, cameras could sit in the back and film. Uh, but most of what you see of like Tom Hardy and um, I can't remember the other guy's name now. Uh, they built these like gimbal systems that were cockpits that could be moved around um, and and you know like by gimbal I mean they could like be tilted to the right and left and up and down and whatnot uh, so that they could match the action of the planes or whatever uh, and then they could match the background of the sky and whatnot so actually those two guys specifically were pretty much isolated throughout the whole production hardy specifically because the other guy eventually gets on the boat right uh but i guess they were just like very isolated and had almost no interaction with anyone else and just did their filming and like and then hardy obviously has that one scene at the very end where the he which i want to get into um but where he burns the plane and then he gets taken prisoner by the germans um so obviously he had some interaction with other people right but most of the time he's in the plane um and dude that guy can seriously emote with his eyes yeah like I, i get why they picked him because of the whole bane thing and the fact that he could like tell you everything you yeah, need to know just yeah. by f- shifting his eyebrows like it's fucking it's he's crazy good at that right? i don't understand it right that's why he is always in a mask yeah. in his movies you know it's because he's too he good is, with his dude. eyes he's he too is good. he just like yeah. he's just that person i bet you if he looked at you you'd just be like hypnotized yeah. he's got he's got that like magnetism oh, yeah. um yeah there's very there's very few actors that can do 
Getting hard what for Hardy. Hard for Hardy. <laughs> Hashtag hard for there's Hardy. So many, there's so many girls that <laughs> like him, Give too. And I eyes. think a part of it, yeah, they just kind of probably just look into his eyes, you know. And he just has that draw, you know. The dude's a handsome guy. Like, yeah. He, yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. Like, when he when he showed up on the scene yeah. in Inception and was like that dapper motherfucker with the accent, <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. Come on. Dude, everyone yeah. was down for that, dude. Everyone he was like the was best like, character in that movie. Yeah, you know? Like, come on. Um, <laughs> no more talking. Just give, me, give us your eyes. I'll try and figure out what you're uh, saying. <laughs> so, I uh, touched on that. Again, I um, so, this was actually the first ever film to have uh, handheld IMAX cameras as well. Oh, wow. Uh, because if you've ever seen an IMAX camera, oh. IMAX cameras are very, very, very large. So how did they do that? Did they have like three people holding? Probably it was like at least two people, like <laughs> or one really, really Double strong dude out. who hated his life after that day. They had yeah, the rock came. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reason why was because due to um, advice from Spielberg and from uh, fuck, it might have been Scorsese. It was Spielberg and it was some other dude who had done some other war stuff or at least shot um, on boats. And their advice was shoot handheld when you're on a boat because it's just the easiest way to do it, yeah. which makes sense. Um, if you think about the logistics, yeah. if you put a tripod on a boat, you're going to get that weird, gross motion sickness look to it. Whereas if you're handheld, you know, you can hold it straight while your body is, yeah. is moving with the boat. So Right. You mean minimize the... Uh, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, obviously sure. it's easier than having like a steady cam. You know, in certain scenarios and whatnot, too. So that's why they did that. So that was the first there. Um, and probably, well, at least what I consider... Well, there's two things here. We talked about one of them, that it was only made for $100 million, But Nolan apparently got a $20 million salary and 20% of the gross <laughs> profits. Okay, Whoa, that's almost, think that's about this for a second. A quarter, think about this for a second. Quarter, dude, that's a quarter, amazing. Perc- almost a quarter. A quarter of, of the gross profit. Okay, fifth. just think about this for a second. Yeah. So this movie had a $100 million budget. Now, this his salary was likely not part of that budget. He, so some the studio paid 120 20 of it straight 20 flat went to him regardless of whether the movie tanked or not. Dude, that's a fifth of the budget. That's and crazy. Then, if okay, you don't on. understand what gross profits are for movies, all right, hang on, pause, Keith. We got to tell the listeners. Byron is just he backed out <laughs> of the podcast. He's he's leaning back and his his face was looking towards the ceiling. He might have just died open. a little bit. <laughs> it, looks, it looks it looks like when you when you throw a grape in the air and yeah. you try and catch it in your mouth. It was like that, but he was frozen Shell like shocked. that for like a solid 10 I'm seconds. I'm just imagining yes. that money, dude. <laughs> to make a God. movie. To make something you want to make. You got paid to do it. Like, it's insane. It's just, and then, it, wow. I'm, so gross profits. I mean, it it, it goes to show what, what kind of person yep. he is, you know? He brings in the big, big audiences, big, you know, he's... But just, gross profits... People trust him. He's trustworthy. He is. And so, yeah. like, what gross profits is, is like, when you pay to see the movie and then all that gets like you know brought together and added up before anything else is taken out of it whatever this movie makes before any sort of expenses to anything else to cover all the debts or whatever he is taking 20 percent of that so if this movie makes a hundred million but that's that's then he gets 20 million again i'm 
that's uh, I, I'm I am ninety five percent confident that that's after the theaters take their cut of the of the ticket uh, prices. Pro- well, yeah, probably because it it probably happens at the same time. I, it's well because the theaters take a certain percentage based on how long it's been in the. Uh, been at the theater so like first weekend more goes to the studio second weekend a little bit less goes to the studio third weekend a little bit less so like they, it goes in tiers so like the longer the film lasts usually the more the th- cut the right and like take. the distributors um, don't you know they, they do their collections on a certain like on periods right like they don't just go there every day and it's like okay give me the money now right they they every once in a yeah, while they show yeah. up and they'll, they'll take their collections but before the studio takes any of that money and makes it into net profits or net losses, right, after they pay off their debts and everything else that they needed to do, before any of that happens, he takes 20% chunk of it. So he's essentially... Yeah, it's still it's still And the film amount. made... I mean, the film's made like X hundred million yeah, or so hundreds of millions look, I'm already. I'm just looking this up. It's 265 up. It's, right yeah. now, yeah. What's that, what? It, it's 200... Yeah, so already. he took roughly, roughly another fifty million ish, and this is only its second week, give or take. Yeah, or third week. Yeah, I mean, but if you include the uh, what the theater takes, I'm sure it's closer to like okay. thirty. Like on, uh, I'm trying to, I'm, still, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to factor in a little bit. It's a stupid yeah. amount. Yeah, it's a stupid. It's a stupid amount. Wow. I, yeah. I don't. I you know. If we knew the, if I knew the math behind it, but I I know the they. they ha, I'm pretty sure Hollywood accounting is very tight lipped though. Anyway, so we never really know the exact numbers. I'm curious, like how much, like you know, um, James uh, James Cameron. James Cameron got for Avatar a lot of you money. Know? That dude makes a lot of money on every movie he does. Pro- probably more for the sequels. Yeah. Probably more for well, the sequels. Well, this factoid actually. Uh, Apparently, this was the highest salary um, since Peter Jackson at King Kong. Oh, wow. So that was, what, 2008? Yeah. Oh, or that something, makes sense. Something Even, like that. Well, so, before that, 2005, yeah. I think. Oh, maybe. Something so like it, yeah, 2005. It, it took another 10 to 12 years for yeah. someone to beat that. Yeah. That's, dude, I can't. Guaranteed $20 million. Especially, especially for Dunkirk. Especially yeah. for this film. Yeah, for this film, of all films. You, to, you'd think to, like Interstellar that. or something. Or would Batman. Be, I would have thought Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman, oh, yeah. yeah. I think the amount of money that they're paying for him, I, I think that makes sense. But the honestly, I maybe um, the like the gross percentage or whatever it's called um, that he's getting, like the twenty twenty five percent. Is it twenty? It said twenty percent. What I found said twenty percent. That to me makes more sense on this film than it would on like an Interstellar or like a larger budget movie because I think the studio's like, well. This is going to be a little bit less, you know what I mean? But the twenty million, like on with yeah. both of those, like that's that's kind of. I see what you're saying. Like you they're know? thinking, like, oh, Dunkirk's not going to make five hundred million dollars, right? So we're not going to be paying him, you know, a hundred million or whatever, right? Yeah. They're they're expecting it to be a right. smaller amount, so that's why they're because because writing into your contract yeah. that you want the gross profits is a risk because you don't know yeah. in this case it's not as high of a risk, but it's still a risk that you don't know that the film is going to make its money. But I think. The, uh, one of the dudes in Star Wars, I want to say it was like the guy who played R2-D2 or C-3PO or something. Like, it, 
It, uh, it was the, the Wookiee. Wookie. He for he for yeah. he, he gave like his salary or like took like a severely reduced salary for like two percent gross. And that was a risk because no one yeah. knew that Star Wars was going to yeah. be this crazy international fucking phenomenon, right? But then 2% of whatever Star Wars made ended up being, like, way more, way more than what than he would have made, made right? right? So so it's it's he's not... Like, he's yeah. like, fuck yeah. you, I made more than Harrison Ford, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But, like, this whole gross thing, and it's also not common for... Freaking carpenter. Like, you can't just be a cinematographer and be like, yo, I want, like, a 1% of the gross. Like, they're going to laugh at you in your fucking yeah, face, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not something that everyone does. They'll just say no and get another. Basically, right? So, like, it's mostly a. But, like, Chris Pratt. He could. Like, he, it's like, it's an actor it. director like, thing. Celebs. Right? That, that, yeah. because either, because they're the ones who are going to get an idea of whether or not this movie is actually going to, like, be worth it to, to risk going for gross, you know, profits or whatever. Right. Gosh, that, I mean, right. I can't get over that. The numbers are huge, dude. The like, numbers to, are to huge. To get that money into. And to do that as your job, I, I talk just, about a privilege. I, yeah, wow. And then to say Okja isn't a movie, fuck you, Christopher Dude, Nolan. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> real, but real life, like seriously, like not everyone can be paid a twenty million dollar salary plus a huge chunk of gross. Both things, you know. Not. On, I mean, I mean, not to not to be not to be a dickhole or anything, but like. I mean, how long did this movie take to make? You know, so like twenty million dollars over the course of how, like, what three, four years? Because or well, two years? Yeah, it was like three. So that's like ten million a year. That's like pennies. That's peasant money. <laughs> that's peasant money. Like, I bet he has only six yachts. Yeah, because he hasn't gotten like, like part of the profits for his other movies too, right? I know. Yeah, like he's got no money. So like, let's let's give let's give him a. Let's give him a break, guys. I mean, come on. He he deserves. He was he out deserves in that, my money. I'm gonna donate to him. He was out in him. that water. Yeah, filming. He was out. Yeah. He was in That's water. Why, yeah, his his. Like, no one I don't else does that. Like belabor that point too much, but yeah, his comments definitely. This twenty million dollar twenty percent thing puts his comments in like a whole different light of like how stupid he was for saying that. Like, <laughs> but also we don't know if that was blown but, up. Yeah, we that's why know. I don't want to belabor it too much. We don't know if that was just like an off-handed, off-handed comment. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's hard to say, and it's such an you know because he made twenty million dollars, it's such an easy thing to be like that guy's an asshole. Yeah. You know? So everyone would could easily make that conclusion off of him just because he's. The, the guy who's getting paid an ass load of money to do whatever the fuck he wants and then he says oh digital stinks and then it's like well you're like not every not everyone you know, can like be you pretty... you you know like I don't know yeah that's like such an easy conclusion which is probably why that article made it yeah. so big and you know like it's probably why it was kind of hot when it came out yeah it's not to say that he hasn't earned it, but it's also just like not everyone gets that. You know, people are still right. struggling and want want to have their dreams too. And you can't, you know, it's hard. It's, don't be a jackass yeah. and belittle and it. You're right. Unfor- unfortunately, th- dude, that's just like how the studio system works. Like they they see they they like people get hot and they fizzle out, and then there's other people who like they get hot and they stay hot, and that's just like where they land. Like people always land yep. somewhere. You know, they get they go up and they come down, and then they land, and that's it. Uh, but Nolan landed really, really high, you know, and he could still be going down. But honestly, of all filmmakers to be in his position, like I could think of a ton of other people that I would despise, like 
being the person who gets that James Cameron you know like I can think of a ton yeah yeah, I can think of a ton of different filmmakers where I'd be like I don't like these this guy's movies but I mean that's just my own personal taste I like Christopher Nolan movies um, but I like other filmmakers more but it could be worse I guess is what I'm saying for me the thing that kind of sucks is like I don't know. Can he do any wrong now? Like, is he going to really, in his lifetime, make a movie that's bad? Probably not. You know, like, I just don't... It's so, well, like... What's wrong with that? We, I don't know. We, I just want good movies. I don't know. I do, too, but I kind you of, mean, like... like, the risk? Like, he's not going to risk it? Yeah, I just... I don't know. I guess that's what I was surprised about this movie, is that it was way more risky than I thought it was going to be. I think it's, like, that's so funny. easy, too, for him now. Like, it's, like... Well, I don't know. Spielberg made some more questionable movies, I guess. The ones that weren't considered, like, masterpieces. So, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly where I'm going with that point or what I'm thinking. I'm just kind of like... It sort of bothers me how much of a pass that he gets now. Like, it's a Nolan movie, so it's just going to be good. Like, he's never... I, he's just not going to yeah. be in a position where he's going to have a bad movie and, and experience but, but that. Then, but because we have a studio system that is constantly putting pressure on all the filmmakers trying to get them to be the best that they can be sometimes hurting the films in the process we have a filmmaker who can just waltz in and be like and bypass the studio system with their money <laughs> yeah which is actually you know kind of I mean? which is kind of cool so he makes like this art because I kind of consider Dunkirk more of an art film yeah, than a studio yeah. film, even though, even though it was made. Yeah, it's totally Brothers. a studio film, but it doesn't feel or look like one. <laughs> no, it totally it feels like someone like is doing well, like an art project, yeah, he, and I think having people who can do that is like amazing. Like people who can who get the studio system, who have that reputation enough, and look, he still made a ton of money off of this thing, and the studio is. Uh, I mean. And it, it's not a huge success, you know. It's no inception or anything, but I feel like he's got his eye on like, hey, I'm do an art film here, do a more studio based film here, you know. Like I, I feel like he's trying to actually do some cool stuff while trying to be that person who's doing this big. I don't know. Project. I think I just have some like you know like a hipster feeling where it's like I get bothered when like. I don't know. I, it's like he's. I, I'm bothered by Nolan in general because he is so. Everyone is so like up his ass, like in love with him, like <laughs> like just want to I mean, I totally, yeah. lick the shaft of no, Nolan. I feel that, dude. I, I always yeah. get bothered by that. Like it's yeah. just. I why. I, I walked out of Interstellar when I saw it, and I was like, "That I didn't really like this movie, but I." But then you know, it, everyone's like, like, "Was one this of my is least Nolan, favorite. so it was still great." But I heard. Yeah, I heard people like walking out of the theater. They're like, "Oh my god, that should win every Oscar. That should win best cinematography, best director, best actors, best sound design, best sound editing." And I was like, "Do you even watch?" <laughs> you know, I almost like went and talked to him. Like, do you even like know? Like, because Interstellar was good, but like it wasn't like amazing. You know, I always I root for the underdog though. Too like, I want the people who I know are making good movies to succeed because they're not succeeding and then it's just like Nolan yeah. just gets a pat like oh the next Nolan movie's coming out okay it's we're gonna watch it it's gonna make a bunch of money like well, can they he fail once like, but you know what I mean like so I guess what what they <laughs> <laughs> this is he's your Forrest Gump he's your Forrest Gump he's you're like I he is Forrest Gump for, for you I, you know that's you just want him to the thing away. about like Christopher Nolan that I find like 
is that awesome. he has maintained his independent film roots, which is cool. I like that because there's a lot of filmmakers that started as like, su- yeah, yeah which is like super it. independent yeah. films, like Peter Jackson, right? Super independent films, and then. You realize, he like, did, a fifth of his filmography or a quarter of filmography are three Batman movies, right? Well, yeah. But no, but so, like, Peter... So, so I don't like, know how indie that is, but... But but he's but he's made, like, The Prestige and Dunkirk and Interstellar, which, those three big movies, and they're... But they don't feel... They it, don't yeah. feel like they're, they're, they're gutsy in... in, in and in, in, oh, in Inception. And Inception, I mean, yeah, was, yeah. That was a gutsy yeah, movie yeah. that just was huge with audiences but that was like it's gutsy because it was it, it actually know. made the audience more engaged with this you know the theories and stuff behind what it was trying to do you know what i mean it was engaging not because of the action spectacle just you know just not just because of that but also because of what it was trying to it, it made you think too which is kind of rare for a lot of films i mean the last film right. to do really do that that was a, a what that was as as successful as like um inception would have been like the matrix trilogy you know um but yeah yeah so like in that sense it's cool i but you know like peter jackson independent filmmaker then he did lord of the rings pretty independently and then and then he did these other movies you know that were big blockbuster and he's kind of lost now that that the kind of special feel that he had that he that that made the lord of the rings so great um and like he's invented with the with the hobbits, like he's inventive yeah, 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 yeah. with the technology, but he's not so like inventive as like coming up with a cool story and stuff like that anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's lost yeah. the storytelling. Like it's lost the film, like the cinematic storytelling yeah. quality, and it it feels like made for TV, or it feels like so like studio yep, or yep, producered yep. that yeah. it's like that it just falls apart, and there, it doesn't feel special. It feels right. forgettable. It, you know. But Lord of the Rings feels like is so. That, that's amazing, that's you know? King Kong. I think is like his the top, right? The top of where he was, yeah. and then everything yeah. below that, or everything after that, just hasn't quite reached where it was. You know, it's, it's just not quite yeah, there. Like the guts, yeah. It feels like a cash grab. Yeah, the guts yeah. thing he did was the Lovely Bones, which I like that movie, but it's far from his best. I, you yeah. know, it, I like that that movie exists. Yeah, <laughs> but I. I, I yeah. but so like I I I'm I have to at least give Nolan a little bit of kudos for for just at least not completely becoming some Hollywood thing. He's like J.J. Abrams, right? Started off fairly independent. He had some cool ideas in his earlier films, and then now he just is, does these big blockbusters that are so studio sounding and studio looking. You know what I mean? Like it, it it's. It's it's he yeah. still you can still see the J.J. Abrams name on it, but it's not. It's more like Spielberg, where it doesn't feel as gutsy and stuff as like Dunkirk, because J.J. Abrams is not going to make a Dunkirk, you know, and neither is Spielberg, right. and neither is Peter Jackson, and neither yeah. is George well, Lucas. Spielberg already did his Saving Michael Private Ryan, yeah, so. You know, so at least that. But I totally agree with you, Keith, in the sense that I, I in a way. I kind of am looking. I'm. It's like it's like a I'm bitterness. Looking, yeah, yeah. It's which like is bitter. terrible. But like, yeah. I'm looking forward to maybe maybe a film, hopefully that isn't that that humbles him. Maybe you know what I mean. Like even Tarantino has his like death proof, where it's like right. It just didn't click as much as his other stuff. Yeah. And there's this obvious like down, like you know this this dip, 
right? Where, it, you know, you can still, like, a lot of people still consider it an awesome movie. I think, yeah. you know, Jacob, you said it was, like, one of your favorites from him. So, like, people still like it, but yeah. even he <laughs> is, like, it's definitely not, like, the my favorite. Like, yeah. he would consider it his worst. Yeah. You know, and, like, so there's still some imperfection. Like, even uh, Jackie Brown is a little, like, under the radar-ish, you know, yeah. where it's, like, people just jerk all over freaking memento and maybe following is like his weak yeah. one because it's like so out there yeah and it, it just didn't get pushed but like but f- yeah from I memento on right. dude yeah. it was just like well insomnia no, is insomnia. okay i guess insomnia yeah. is a little yeah, yeah. okay it, i guess that's insomnia, kind of that's fair. i was really actually disappointed in, in insomnia in fact, I actually probably I, yeah, I probably found following more intriguing because I didn't know where it was going. Like I, like I said, I hadn't quite, I hadn't quite yeah. seen. Yeah, so I guess he like does it. have some weak spot. I don't know. I don't know how to explain I, my feelings. I wanted but insomnia, yeah. Whatever. I it's... saw Insomnia though. You know, not that long ago. I had seen all of his films besides Interstellar and, um, and you know, obviously Dunkirk. By the time I had seen Insomnia, or like you know, I. I that was one of the later ones that yeah. I'd seen. And I, I put off Interstellar for probably close to a year. I didn't see that. I didn't see it in theaters or nothing. And all my friends were raving about it. And I was like, eh, because it's Christopher Nolan. I, I enjoyed the Batman series. but And I enjoyed Memento and stuff. But I was like, yeah, I had that bitterness, right? But then when I saw Interstellar, I was like, again, I w- I'm like you, Jacob. I, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was like this huge masterpiece. I thought maybe the best thing that I took out of that movie was the cinematography and the music. Um, not so much like the directing or the story. Yeah. On The sound design yeah. I thought was really cool. So like, you know, I, I it was that. It, it, but then after, like, but I, then I, but I start, but I did realize like, I, I started thinking like, well, he did a movie that a lot of people would have not chosen to make after doing Batman. You know what I mean? Like, he could have done another franchise, started up another franchise or something like, you know, like Abrams, right? Oh, well, Star Trek's not good enough for me. I'm going to do Star Wars 2 after I've done, you know, Mission Impossible. And you know what I mean? Like, it, at least he's not doing that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I give I give Abrams a, a pass because <laughs> to me, that just, that seems like... That seems like that's just the kind of shit he's into, <laughs> yeah. you know? And But, like, Nolan, like, I don't think Nolan actually... I think he likes Batman, but I don't think he actually wants to make films like Batman. Right. You know? Yeah. So, like, to me, like, J.J. Abrams, I think he wants he wants the Mission Impossibles. He wants the... He wants those big budgets. He wants the branded. He Like, that's yeah. just what he's good at. That's what he's passionate about. I want people to do what they're passionate about. And to me, like, Chris Nolan, maybe not so passionate about The Dark Knight Rises, you know? Maybe... You know, but like Dunkirk, like this feels like it's like his movie. It feels like it, it and I'm totally spitballing here. So, but it, like it just feels that way. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think Nolan, I'd, I'd give a harder time to about that sort of a thing. But Abrams, like I think Abrams, like that's just like what he does. What yeah, he's good at. Yeah, that's what he's passionate. Yeah, that's what he does. So like I want people to just do what they do. I don't give two shits about how much budget they get or whatever. I mean, I don't care about that, but, you know, uh, you know, like, I want to see James Cameron return to form, and it's not going to happen in his lifetime, like, at all. You know, I want to see him go back and do, like, a T2-style movie. You know, like, that was a big movie, but, you know, I don't know. I just... I'm not going to lie. I I just want... Like, 
J.J. Abrams has always been someone that I just don't get. Like, I don't get the hype around that guy. I don't like, get at all. Either. At all. And, like, I've heard people... It's just, like, his characters are really I, interesting. Well, know? I've heard people justify it in certain ways. Like, oh, he's a hard worker. Or he's, you know, he's good at what he does. He's good at doing the films that they slate him to do. So, like, what? I just... I mean, I don't I, get the hype, I, man. Honestly, like when it comes to all these type of people, I respect what they do because it's what they do. It's like their that's their thing, right? But is it something that I would yeah. follow or I would take as like I, I? It's not someone that I completely like. I have a I relate to as a fellow artist. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, because it's not exactly the type of movie that I would want to make, so I'm not as attached to it. Um, do do right, like, of course, right. I respect them because like. Because like if it's not for if it's not for them, I mean like these, they are pushing the art form to a point because they're doing computer graphics and stuff, which they're pushing the envelope for that so that down the road we can do it cheaper. You know what I mean? We've talked about this before, where like Michael Bay, like he gets so much hate, and but it, it, but his films actually do a lot of good for us filmmakers as independent filmmakers because progressing technology it's progressing technology and stuff like that right um so right. you have to have those type of visionaries and they're visionaries in a completely different way than visionaries like you know harmony korean or nicholas winning reffin or you know what i mean like von trier von trier like a completely different type of visionary sure. so i have to respect them because they're visionaries but they're not someone that i can relate to as like a as someone that's been a huge influence on me as a filmmaker like, does that make sense? And Nolan falls right. like that for me. Like, I respect his art and I respect, like, that he has his own opinions with film because it's film. It's all, we're all related. You know what I mean? Um, but, but do I, do, it, does he influence me as, like, does, like, when I watch his movies, does it make me, like, want to jump up and, like, go make a movie just like his? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> No, dude, I I'm with you 100%, dude. And but you know, maybe that's just the difference between uh watching movies for for uh for intro right, fun right. for, you know, uh, and then watching movies for like about the art and sometimes, you know, it feels good to just go sit down uh, totally, and watch a movie, totally. you know? And to me, that's that's who Chris Nolan is for me. Like um it's just it's yeah. fun to watch his shit. But honestly, when I watched Dunkirk, I was like, "That's so cool! I want to do something I with th- sound design like that. Like that's really neat." It might be my you know? favorite of his. Uh, it might be. I'd have to watch it again. Well, just real quick, let's just say it. Which one? Uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna. Oh fuck! This is hard. I, I'll go last. <laughs> I kind of want to say Hell's Angels. Be, I, I, okay, Brandon, I've seen Hell's Angels twice. I've seen Dunkirk once, but I I just I love those type of movies. I love the 1930s. I love late 20s. I love that type of just say film. It go with Hell's Angels. You I want think, to? I think Hell's Angels is what I I think nice. Hell's Angels is what I'd go with. Um, however, I I I am by saying that I am not saying that Dunkirk is bad or anything. It's I think it might be my favorite Christopher Nolan film. It's, that's that's what it's you're really saying. it's really good. I I. <laughs> Out of like ten stars, I would rate Dunkirk at eight. That's pretty fucking good for me. Yeah, I think I like I said four out of five. Like I, I would definitely <laughs> rate it above eighty percent. You know, like eighty percent or more. It's there's so much like mastery to it that I really respect that movie. I, it, it might be his best film. I don't know if he'll make a better one. I don't know. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it out because it just was so much better than what I was expecting because I after I learned that it was PG-13 and 
Okay. And it's also shorter. I was just like, Thanks for uh, bringing that up. I totally forgot about that. Um, I, that was one thing that seriously, seriously bothered me. And I, and one thing that you don't get in older war films, obviously just because of the nature of, of what they were allowed to show. But I seriously, seriously believe that if you're going to do a war film, it's gotta be, it's gotta have, be, it's gotta be graphic. It's like, gotta be it has yeah. to be. It's gotta because be there, I had this feeling watching Dunkirk that it was like uh, surface level, or it was like it was too glossy. It was too like he was trying to almost. Um, I don't know what the right. It's not glorify or romanticize, but it's like there was something that was like not genuine about it because of the lack of interesting like i don't know i there's because war movies are supposed to like get you to feel like the sense of like how terrible war is right like it's a bad war movie is a war movie that is like extremely glorifying like you can you can you can name the, the some of the more worst war movies right like Act of Valor or like you know this is maybe Zero Dark Thirty or whatever where they're like really heavily glorifying the soldier as a hero right well, Zero like, Dark Thirty didn't but Act of Valor yeah okay well but yeah well but, at least for me I didn't think but so. like the 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 the, horde, the, right. the not the horde, the war movies that stand out in history are the ones like Apocalypse Now or Saving Private Ryan, uh, Thin Red Line, where like the psychosis of what war does to you <laughs> and messes how it messes with your head. Whereas Dunkirk, the like, the there was no feeling of like f- something being fucked up, like. I know what you mean. Like, there was intensity. There was it was it was more intense than I thought it was. But I felt like that that beginning, right, where they're running through the streets and the Germans are coming up behind them and those guys are getting shot. I felt like if those guys got shot and it was like way bloodier and more fucked up, then it would set a tone, immediate an immediate tone of like, oh yeah, the Germans are coming and they're gonna fuck everybody up. Like we need to get off this beach. Which is what that I mean. Right, they were literally right. cornered. Yeah. I, I and that's felt, what it would be, yeah, right? It would I, be like this, yeah. this desperation, agree. right? Where there was just there's something that lacked in it that I, I could feel, and like yeah. I get right. why he did it, right? It you so, want to have a bigger audience to understand a battle that was not so historically prominent, right? right. And you're trying to get people of younger age and, and give them some sort of like education, and I get that, but. It, it, war movies are one of those weird exceptions where it's like it sh- should be fine for someone of a younger age to watch something that's more graphic because right. war is not some glorification. Right. right. It's 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 fucking gross. Yeah. It's it messes with people's heads. People do not. It's not something normal for a human to right. experience. So this just felt the Dunkirk just like it was just like. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he, did. he scratched the I'm, surface. I'm going to play, I'm gonna play and didn't go far enough. Again. I think. Yeah. I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to flip it. I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate and say that um, I I can see what they're going for, but I I think for Dunkirk, and I wouldn't have said this before watching it, but uh, having it being PG-13 kind of like helped 
it for me. Like, I think if it was that movie that was, like, super bloody, super gross, like, I don't think that's the right feel for this movie. Because I think what they were going for is the psychological uh, torment, like, the nightmare of it all. And I but think I th- having actual blood would, and, like, not actual blood, but, you know, like, making it super bloody, super fucked up looking, I think that would make it feel less like the nightmare. Really? I think the exact opposite. It didn't feel enough like a nightmare. Well, here, let let me, let me finish. But like the whole time, the enemy is, you never see the enemy, you know, like you never, you see the bullets, you see, um, you, you know, you hear things, you see the planes, but, but, and you see the planes, but you never, and you see, but you see torpedoes. Like it's all this like impending doom and like people are, are hurting, but like, I don't know. There was something about the PG thirteen aspect of it that re- that made it feel more nightmarish to me, and it it, it, it it's entirely I, disagree. See, I like know. I didn't want like a gore fest, like 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 gore for this. I, yeah, I, I think a gore I fest would have been. I didn't think wrong, like a gore yeah. fest would be needed in the sense of like blood for the sake of blood. But I wanted to see like I wanted to see more of like cause to me like if 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 like we saw more carnage like if we saw more we don't have to see the germans actually firing and then the bullet go into someone's flesh and stuff like that we don't i don't need to see that uh for this film but i wanted to see more like carnage more fucked up people in the sense of like then you're then you feel more trapped as like that impending doom like that happened to that guy when you see the characters look at like something fucked up right and you know that they're trapped like they're thinking, I don't want to re- end up like that guy that just walked by or that dead guy. Um, like, yeah, does that make too, sense? Like too much? No, it, no. Too much of the movie. It, yeah. The what I'm getting at, and like why I disagree, is because too much of the movie didn't. They felt too safe. Does, does that make sense? For yeah. for being with your back against the wall and being stuck with the ocean on one side and the Germans on the other side, they it just felt like there were chunks of it where they just we're safe yeah. and like what, yeah. what 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 war movie puts you in a position where you where if you do feel safe it's very temporary and then that f- contrast of the next sequence means y- is way opposite right and like there was just like he, like I, I didn't feel nightmarish to me yeah or or I, some of the thrill and the intensity was absent because it felt like they were trying to like do this like surface level thing, right? And I I, I get it. That's the mood they were going for. The tone, I hundred percent agree that that's that's what they were going for and what they wanted, and they succeeded in doing that. Right, exactly. They succeeded but, in what they were going for. But yeah. it just to me, yeah, my version of a nightmarish war is not like. Is you're gonna see people like yeah. like the, the one scene where you really felt it was when the dude walked into the ocean and committed suicide. That was the one scene where I was like, "Yeah, okay, shit got real." But they're like, they there's like a section where they're like sleeping on the beach, and like I get it, they they're really tired because they just swam from the sinking boat. But like, how safe are you that you can just sleep? Like, there's these dude, like thousands of people just lined up on the beach, standing around, and yeah, some fighters come, but even the explosions that happen on the beach are like really small, and like. You know, they, the the people, the explosions happen, and then they kind of just duck down and they stand up again. And maybe that's what happened at that 
historically I don't know but just seeing it in a movie was just like wow they I, don't really care there's like whatever the scene that he could have really made that horror like really like palpable was the scene where they're in they're hiding in the hole of that ship yeah. that's washed up and they're like trying to silence that one guy who's been shot and the, the Germans are firing bullets into the hole of the ship and they're like just they're literally like fish in a barrel like, like they, that was the one yeah. scene that was actually kind of graphic too, because he did get. You could tell he got shot in the face, and then there was like blood all over his mouth when they yeah. were trying to like silence like, him or whatever. Like I felt that they could have like again made that more intense with like having a dude like literally like spurting, not, not like having a gore fest, but like we're like it's real in the sense that there's like you see this guy fucked up and he's trapped, and more guys are getting fucked up, and they have to sit there and they have to deal with these guys, their buddies getting fucked up but they have to be silent also, like how you, horrific is that you notice how you they know? shot that with like the camera was away like they didn't do a close up right, of it it right. was just like over there yeah like it was like I don't know he was like it's like a, a dude who was afraid to dip his dip his hand in right or something. it's just like yeah I don't know and that's what yeah I, I, I see what you guys are saying like I, I get the that but it, I think it's like a it's like a tone thing like it's not about for me it wasn't about the blood as much as it was about like the idea that it could be there like yeah. the the uh like the the like almost like you were you had to picture it yourself uh but like the the the, the tone for me it wasn't about the specific blood it wasn't about that if to me, to me it was more like the like just the it was just the fear and i think if like seeing the blood and seeing it kind of hardcore like that might take away from the idea of what could happen because you know what is going to happen you know what i mean I, so i don't know it's, I, I it's don't. funny because this film like it's it's definitely a war movie but i felt it was more of like that subgenre of like survival war film like it's a survival yeah. movie in a, in a I, sense i don't think this is it, a war movie it's like it's it weird because like it's i felt it like it was, it was like a, a and it wasn't a victory because that battle was a failure on like battle terms. But it's a hu- it's a human victory yeah. because the human like humans were rescued. You know, like they, they like you know the British were rescued by their citizens. Right. Uh, in that sense, it's a victory. But as an actual like strategic battle, like it was definitely not a victory. Um, which I found again interesting for a film. Um, it, it, and it sets the tone of what it was made sense for that. Um, but I. I just, yeah, I don't know. You said something that I was going to crap. To me, something was missing. That's all I can really, yeah. I don't know what the exact, yeah, yeah. but but overall, I would pick it over Hell's Angels. Okay. Because, like, I the, to me, the... the Welcome <laughs> to the dark side. I gave Hell's <laughs> Angels three stars literally because of the dogfight scene. Everything else was, like, so stupid. I didn't care about <laughs> any of it. I don't like, I don't like melodrama, man. Like, it just doesn't... <laughs> I don't like on the nose yeah. shit. That's why I don't like dialogue. See, because but like, I, like I forgave like it because it's a like, you I know, know, I know, but you know. that still bothers me yeah. still. But like the dog fighting scene made up for everything, and it was incredible. Absolutely, yeah. I was just I couldn't take my eyes off the screen once that once that sequence started happening, um, and it was just and then you and then feeling that compared to like the Dunkirk, you, you could feel that that 
he definitely has seen Hell's Angels and was like, dude, I'm taking fucking straight up yeah, influence yeah. in this. Yeah. Like, even if he says he didn't, yeah, yeah, he definitely yeah. did. Um, and, you know, that, I loved the by far the airplane stuff in Dunkirk was like the best stuff, I think. Um, but I liked how each story was compelling, even though it was like even the guys on the boat was a compelling story even though it wasn't but it was but it was still compelling right it was still good and then the way that the plot came together and tied all the times tied in was done really well i I completely think that you know i didn't get it when he said the week the hour the day and the hour at first but then you get it like yeah this all taking place at completely different times but they all meet up and that was done very well um i just you know for me war needs to be more Terror, terrorizing, I guess. Yeah, and, and there's like so. There's so many different types of war films, and that's why I was kind of say like this is a survival one. Like Zero Dark Thirty to me is is, is still kind of considered a war film, which and, is and why it, we're gonna do a war series yeah. because you're right. There's like it, there's a lot of different so types, many, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. War, yeah. even though they're more horrific than like the real war one, you know, it's stuff like that. Like and like for Zero Dark Thirty for me, like. It, it has that that last thirty minutes where they're going through the compound, Bin Laden's compound, and like you know they, it's it's it, that movie's rated R mainly because of like language, but it's still brutal. It's not there's not a lot of blood in it, but it's way more brutal than Dunkirk, and like because like they accidentally shoot you know like the chick in Osama's compound, and like it's fuck it's just you know you know double tap you know boom boom it, it's just the way it's shot the way it's done it's just more brutal you feel like you're there um i felt that that's what it that's what dunkirk could have felt like the whole movie you know what i mean like just more it just felt too mm, clean and too safe brutal. like yeah. like it was literally just like it felt too clean and the people felt too safe i think and that's i don't know sorry i don't want to belabor the point but it, right right it, yeah but like see then i think about like you know what film really when i first saw it uh, what really got me and still kind of gets me even to this day, even though I've seen it and kind of, and I've read the book too, is Black Hawk Down. That one's still, and it's, it's got its graphic moments, but there's also like a lot of points where it's not. Right, right. And it, that movie still gets me, man. Like, it's still good, man. Black Hawk Down is. There's something so about good. that. Like when the two guys go, the two snipers go down in the helicopter, yeah. and like they get surrounded. Like that always like freaks me out. Like the whole zombie thing too, of like being surrounded yeah. and eaten. Like totally just like make, gives yeah. me the willies. But like for some reason, Black Hawk Down just like See, it Black just Hawk hit such me, a man, movie, in a weird man. in a weird way. Such um, a good movie. People um, forget about that movie. I don't know why, but in that that scene, man, when the helicopters are coming in, it gets me. Like th- that that it feels like it's it's like one of those things. Like, Fuck yeah! yeah. Like like. There's certain types of things that, like in Sicario, when the helicopters are coming over the border yeah. and they go in, and then the, they're in the they're in the um, the police vehicles and they're going through in a caravan yeah. through, uh, you know, to I like yeah. that yeah. shit. I love Zero Dark Thirty when they're all strapped up to get into the helicopters. The helicopters going sneaking into the compound. They go, you know, rope down. I love that shit. I love I love caravans of cars and Humvees and stuff like that. And I love like the groups of helicopters <laughs> and shit. I love that. That like like apocalypse yeah, that, now like right before the, yeah. the storm like going yeah. into the storm I love that sort of thing yeah. so that's what, yeah. also what I liked about Dunkirk is that it had parts of stuff that was similar to that like when the when the planes went over 
head and the, the soldiers are like, yeah, you know, like I love that sort of thing where it's like it shows the mightiness of like yeah. the power of these people. I I like that sort of stuff. Um, and it's just machine, it's just machine stuff, yeah. you know, helicopters, but Black Hawk Down, yeah, so good. But yeah, so that's yeah, we're definitely gonna have some sort of pairing of Black Hawk Down. One of my favorite films, like literally in my top three of all time, is Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah, so dude, we'll definitely be talking be, about that. Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line. Um, you know, we're gonna do more of like the older horror. Uh, why do I keep saying horror? The older war films from the 30s and 40s and 50s yeah. stuff like that. We'll be mixing up, you know, all of that stuff for sure. Um, There's war comedy, you know, Kelly's Hero stuff yeah, like that. Catch Three 22. Dozen. Yeah, yeah. It'll be an interesting one. I want to touch on. Um, so like, we'll definitely have Freaky. a mixture, <laughs> right? Um, so. I don't know. It'll be a cool ongoing series that we just drop in whenever yeah. we want to, I guess. Because um, war movies are super cool. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds sweet. That sounds cool. I'm in. <laughs> oh, you you got to say which one you prefer, though. I want to watch uh, Reefer Madness uh, more, but you which know, mo- which do uh, movie do you prefer? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I decided. Um, so I'm gonna go with Dunkirk uh, just because. The experience of it in IMAX was amazing. I did enjoy the IMAX. Yeah, I am, yeah I'm, a Chris Nolan, I'm a Chris Nolan fanboy. Like I'll admit, like I, I am <laughs> one of those guys. Even though Interstellar and Dark Knight Rises, like I was starting to get nervous because I wasn't a big fan of those two. Um, You're a fanboy, but are I'm you an apologist for Nolan? Like I'm an apologist for like Refn. Like I would, even if his movie is terrible, I'd be like, you know what I mean? Like, is this like a higher level fanboy? I think, like I think yeah. I like think a, like like a Trump fanboy would be like, oh yeah, Trump. But then like, like people who are actually big Trump people are like apologize on his behalf. I guess what I mean by that is like like Fear X is considered a terrible movie with an ending that made no sense and just kind of ends. But I loved it, I'll and I would totally that one. yeah, if he did. I would totally am just like. You know, oh, okay. like I, I even get, for some of his saying. worst ones, I'd be like, "Nah, man, yeah. it's good." I whatever, it's it's reffing, it's yeah, cool, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, got to be good. It's reffing. Yeah. yeah. Are you that type of Nolan fanboy, right. or are you just like? Well, I think I already answered this because I didn't really like Interstellar or or Dark Knight Rises very much. Um, so I honestly, I think I like what I like. I tend to like Nolan films quite a bit, you know. And you know what's so great about them, and is that. A lot of people go see his movies. So yeah. because a lot of people see it, a lot of people talk about it. And it's fun to talk to people about movies. And honestly, of of all the films that come out that people go see on a regular basis, Nolan is like the more art house yeah. version of that. And being able to talk with people about Dunkirk and about how it made them felt is worth every single penny to me you know because i i am interested in what filmmakers like us like i I like talking to us but sometimes i want to talk to like my aunt about dunkirk and what she thought you know what i mean because like i'm super interested in that fresh like people who don't go to movies often and what they think about it um dude also so did you byron did you like dark knight rises i actually did i actually i liked it better than batman begins and there's big sequences of it that I like better than Dark Knight. So, the, yeah. I, I hate how much we... Because we've already done, like, what, two episodes with Nolan, and I don't like how much we're focusing on him in such a short period of time, but I would actually like to talk <laughs> about Dark Knight Rises specifically, because I liked it, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, thought it was good. I, I, only, I only watched it once. It'd be an interesting the one to talk about, because it is a polarizing movie, I, 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 you know? I, I, yeah. 
No, I, I'd be down. I, the only reason I think I might like it better than The Dark Knight, besides the fact that besides the fact Whoa. that Heath Ledger's in The Dark Knight, that's what made the movie for me. And that beginning sequence, the beginning that's, sequence that's of The Dark yeah, Knight is good, and then the um, and then the, and then Heath Ledger's performance. But as an actual movie, I think I like Dark Knight Rises better as an overall plot thing and everything. Yeah. And, and, be interesting and, well, to talk about. I'd be curious to dive back yeah. into it then. I'm going to look and at it. And just the that way it was lens, made so it with yeah. IMAX cameras and stuff. Because there was only like the one or two shot, two shots or two scenes in The Dark Knight that were used IMAX cameras. And then The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, the intro. He, does, yeah. he used more. But that's a, this is a good point. That, but, oh, go ahead. Yeah. What, what, what were you just, no, 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 were you you just saying? Uh, well, I was going to finish. I was I was going to finish my review, but I want you to finish your point. Then I'll finish my well, review. What, what were you just What were you so just you saying? Because it he wants to dive back into it. No, right before that, I'm about about the, what? oh oh about the, so you were saying that you wanted to talk to your like your grandma about Christopher Nolan and stuff. It, you know about about Dunkirk. Oh yeah, like like how non non filmmakers think so about that's the, you know about movies. Like, that was something yeah. that I really liked about Dunkirk. So I went with my buddy who likes films and I watched a whole bunch of films with him growing up like a whole bunch of war films and stuff And but he's not a filmmaker and he doesn't look at movies the same way that I do but after the movie we talked for over yeah. an hour standing in front of the theater yeah. at 12 o'clock at night we talked to about 12 to 1 at, in the morning about the movie like that was the, it was the coolest like experience that I've had with someone that doesn't not, not only that does film or doesn't like doesn't do film but like i haven't had that experience right. about talking about a film besides with you guys in in years like it had been literally yeah. years since i had such a good conversation with someone that about a film right. besides doing it like either in a film class or with you guys or with my brother you know right. so like i was like yeah. that's fucking cool that i can go see a movie that and, and talk to someone that like appreciates good movies but isn't a film guy like how cool is that yeah, you know, so no, and you know that's that's what Chris Nolan brings out yeah. to people, and I I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, um, that's what I, it's, I love it. Do you? Ha- I want to just say something real quick, but do you have any more on your review that you want to say? Oh yes, okay. So I was building. So okay, so I picked Dunkirk, and I gave a bunch of reasons why Dunkirk is great, and I think Hell's Angels is also good. Uh, for a number of reasons, you know, uh, Howard Hughes, he's awesome. Uh, and this movie was like the first action movie, which how yeah, can that's another no thing too we didn't like touch that, on, right? Know? Yeah, and um, it's also an epic, which is cool. And you know, it had that on the nose dialogue, but ultimately, like just those fighter jet plane scenes or whatever are just not jet planes, but you know, the <laughs> World War One planes are just amazing. But but the biggest reason this i was split i was like i can't decide because i really liked Dunkirk and i really hell's angels you appreciate you know what it did but i think the biggest thing honestly is that the word angel is in hell's angels title because fuck the angel (laughs) fuck the angel so hard dude so you really are gonna go put this in every episode He slipped it in at the end of last you guys one too. I was kidding. The, I'm reading you out. I was kidding. I'm reading out this end, the outro, and he slipped it in. Like I don't even remember how you slipped it in, but you were like, "Yeah, fuck the angel," and then ref and blah blah blah. And it was like, <laughs> oh my god, that was epic. I was not. I did not see that one coming. I didn't dude. see that one coming either. No, that was. I know. It's because I waited so long. Then that you guys a good did your one. thing, uh, and then I that, brought it back. That, that well welcome. played. Well played. You're sir. welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But I still do pick Dunkirk, not because of um, that. Well, so what I'd like to do... So our next episode, 
is going to be one of the special ones because 20 um We'll, we will be doing the, the film bro thing. We'll finally explain what the film yep. bro is and, and talk about can, those movies. We can go by our nicknames. We, we could do Brian, uh, Kevin, Jakob. and what, what is it, it going to be Brian Jakob, or B Ryan? You know? I think it's I okay. think it's both. I think we can't say our, uh, any of our okay. real okay. names. Jake the Snake. Episode. I think we have to do okay. our bro names. Good. I don't know if I remember that, but um, what what I want would like to do um, <laughs> is I would like after that I kind of it'd be cool to since we do talk about it so fucking much. I want to do an, uh, three episodes in a row where. Like I know Jacob, you kind of had more of a hand in picking Reefer Madness, but let's 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 each pick like two films that we want to talk about. And, right? No, and, that's and, a good and idea. We'll each pick cool. the episode cool, essentially, cool, cool. and. And yeah, and what I what uh, I'm gonna fun with this guy. You guys are gonna hate me, um, Ghost. Ghost twice. We're watching Ghost twice. Okay, whatever. Um, but I what uh-huh. what I'd like to do and. <gasps> Between you and I is we should cover at least one Refn film because we do talk about it like a lot. Yeah. And yeah. we haven't covered one yet and we should at least I was kinda trying to save him why, for why like a we? master class thing. Like like I wanted to do a series on him. Well let's let's but, start like a part one master class and then just do it whenever the fuck we feel like. Well, either way, however it works out. I, what I'm saying is like if you don't then I probably yeah, will. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, there's a f- couple films that I w- wouldn't necessarily want to talk about as much, like like uh, the Pusher series and Bronson and Fear X. Like, personally to those, I love I love those movies, but they're not ones that I would, that I'm going to completely geek out on, whereas Drive and Only God Forgives and The Neon Demon But are I like, also don't want to limit you, so if there are two other movies that you, like, desperately want to talk about more than that, right, then right, right. go with that for sure. But it, it would be nice if we don't fit it in, like, in that time, then at least in the next, like, five to six episodes, we should cool, cover yeah. at least one. That would one. be cool. That would be cool. And the, just because we... And Corinne, too, and because Army we do Grand, talk yeah. about it so much that, like, we should give an example of, like... Yeah. You know, whatever, what it is, so... We we should uh, we should wrap this up. It's almost three hours, and I really oh sorry yeah oh wow that so, went by uh, that went by let's really do quick. it yeah, dude. Uh, wow. okay so if you have this any questions one, uh, topic suggestions opinions or if you have any fat corrections go ahead and send an email to btvfilmspodcast at gmail.com. we're always trying to learn new things so we'd love to hear from you uh, you can also visit our Facebook page and join our group to comment on or discuss this week's episode or past episodes um, and if you do watch a past episode like tell us about it tell us your thoughts. You know, like just because it's an older episode doesn't mean we don't want to hear about it. Um, yeah, hit us up on Facebook for sure, Comment. for sure. Um, FB. And so all of our episodes can be found on iTunes and at soundcloud.com slash B2B films. Our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at skinnyproducing.com. Uh, next, Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Next week we'll be doing so. Like I said, we'll do, be doing another special episode. Uh, Film Bro. The two films will be Boondock Saints and Fight Club, um, which I'm sure most people have seen Fight Club. But if you haven't seen Boondock, then definitely um, watch that one. Uh, yeah, so watch those. Be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Oh, and thanks to Connor O'Keefe for giving us uh, microphones last minute or he the recorder. Us. Yeah, he did. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, the recorder. Shout out to Connor. Thanks, buddy. Bye.